We acknowledge that this podcast is recorded on the unceded, ancestral, and occupied traditional territory of the Anishinaabe Nation, the people of the three fires known as Ojibwe, Odawa, and Potawatomi Nations. And furthermore, we thank the Chippewa of Saugeen and the Chippewa of Nawash, now known as the Saugeen Ojibwe Nation, who are the traditional keepers of this land. As we live, work, surf, and play, we say mahalo to the Métis, Inuit, and Indigenous peoples of Turtle Island and from around the world who have stewarded these lands and sacred surf spots for thousands of years. We recognize their amazing resilience in the face of ongoing oppression and injustice. We believe that for true healing to occur, we must reflect and make serious changes while working together as we move forward in truth and reconciliation. We can be better. We can do better. Freshies, welcome to Permastoked. I'm your host, Derek Hyatt. In this podcast, we talk to surfers and stand-up paddleboarders from across the Great Lakes, Canada, the U.S., and beyond. We take a peek into their lives and find out what it means to be stoked. Is it a natural state of euphoria, elation, a relentless commitment? I also talk to other Permastoked individuals, such as artists, entrepreneurs, filmmakers, musicians, philanthropists, yogis, and much more. Join us each week in learning from these experts and enthusiasts while being inspired by their undying passion, insights, and rad tales. Permastoke is presented by Freshwater Surf Goods, your surf brand devoted to spreading the stoke across the unsalted seas and cultivating pride amongst the surf community. We do this by providing products and apparel that celebrate the awesomeness of both Great Lakes and Canadian surf culture. Stand out in the tribe by rocking our gear. But hey, don't just stand around on the beach looking cool. Check out our Stoke Academy and try surfing and stand up paddleboarding. Get away into beautiful Owen Sound, Sauble Beach, or Grey Bruce, where we offer Paddle Canada certified basic and advanced sub courses, tours, sub surfing, and even beginner surfing lessons. Visit www.freshwatersurfgoods.com to sign up for your freshwater fantasy today. Want to get your zen on? Check out SUP Yoga and our Great Vibes Yoga, Meditation and Healing classes. Aloha is a life force energy of loving and living in harmony. Through movement, meditation and breath, our classes allow you to connect with your true self so you can spread great vibrations and the spirit of aloha throughout the global consciousness. Enjoy community and a chill atmosphere filled with great vibes and sacred ancient teachings delivered with humor and integrity. Welcome back everyone to season two of Permastoke. It's good to be back and it's great to be with you all again. In this episode, I chat with Executive Director of CSA Surf Canada, Dom Domic, as well as returning guest and pro surfer Noah Cohen. We go into Surf Canada and we talk about the road to the Olympics. So Dom Domic is currently the Executive Director of Surf Canada since July 2018. But previously, he was the president since October 2011 and accepted the ED position after 12 years with the BC Surfing Association. Dom also co-founded Canada's first Pro-Am surf competition, the 1988 West Beach Summer Surf Jam on Vancouver Island, which then led to the formation of the BCSA and continues to this day as the Rip Curl Canadian National Championships. Dom was the Canadian U21 champion 
three times national team member representing Canada at three world championships. During this time, he graduated with a BA and MPA from the University of Victoria. Dom has over 28 years of experience in sports management and in action sports industry, along with extensive and proven sponsorship acquisition and servicing skills and experience. Since the beginning, he has delivered brand activation platforms for the BCSA and more recently with the CSA Surf Canada's corporate partners, including a wide range of non-endemic brands and public stakeholders. He continues to provide significant and quality support to these partners and prides himself on going above and beyond to maximize the outcomes of these partnerships. The result of nearly 30 years of events and partnerships is a healthy, homegrown, competitive environment to maximize Canadian talent. Currently, Canadian surf and sup athletes have made a massive impact on the world stage, including medals and world championships in sup, top 10 in junior surf and a WSL six-star event win. For 2018, Canada is world ranked at a very impressive 10 out of 48 nations. And with plenty of room to continue to improve, these athletes have their eyes on the ultimate prize. Dom has pioneered competitive Canadian surfing and he is determined to take Canadian surfers to the ultimate multi-sports event, Tokyo 2021 for surfing's Olympic debut and beyond. This episode was recorded on January 14th, 2021 and features coarse language that may offend some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Dom Dominic, Noah Cohen, welcome to Permastoke, dudes. Great to have you. Thanks for having us, Derek. Yeah, right, right on. Noah, you are the second returning guest beat only by the King of Stoke, Larry Cavero. Dude, that sucks. We thought I, I fully thought I was going to be the first returning guest. We actually, I think he said that earlier. Uh, I so. said that. Sure. <laughs> He's like, you're going to be the first returning guest. And yeah. I got excited, sort of patted myself on the back. That, that's how I suckered him into it. You know? <laughs> I was here for the accolades. That was it. Right on. Well, if it's any consolation, Larry is unlisted. You will be the only, you will be the second returning guest listed on the podcast. He was sort of a, a cameo appearance when I was talking to his daughters. Well, to be honest, if I'm going to get second to anyone, Larry's a pretty damn good guy to finish runner up to. So that's true. Right now. Absolutely. <laughs> right on, right on. So you guys, uh, we're not in the surf today, is that correct? No surf today, no. Man. Yeah, he he has bigger fish to fry. This guy's keeping keeping the CSA going pretty much, so he picks wow. his windows, and then I had uh, yeah, I had some PRP injections actually on my knee because I've been uh, been struggling with her a little bit, so trying to get it on the mend. That's right. You've been doing lots of rehab stuff. You were telling me a little bit about that last time. Yeah, yeah, I forget when we exactly spoke. Was it last summer, July or uh, August? Yeah, summer? something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been good. I think at the time I tore my ACL, like maybe in April, and then I had just been kind of rolling with it and, and didn't really experience too much. And and I surfed all through the year through 2020 and had no issues. And until right at the end, I had a little uh, a little tweak in December. And then since then, I've just been trying to kind of you know explore some things. But overall, I think um just kind of staying in the gym helped me a lot and that was one thing right away that I drew correlation to was um because of COVID and closures I stopped lifting and, and doing a lot of like side uh training in the in the gym and, and you know squats and heavier stuff and and like 
a month and a half goes by and this tweak happens and it was like an easy correlation to draw. So in a way, um, kind of cool to see, you know, like your, your hard work is actually doing something. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, most of us are just, you know, sitting back getting fat during COVID. <laughs> We just, <laughs> yeah, in Ontario, we just were told yesterday or two days ago, um, you're only to go out if you are got a medical appointment or uh, you're going for groceries. But then they, they, yeah, but then they loosely say you can go outside for exercise and to walk the dog. So I'm hoping I don't get a. I have a dog and I'm hoping I buying dogs this weekend. Yeah, yeah. And I'm hoping we don't get arrested for either going surfing or going paddleboarding if it's classified as exercise. That's crazy. Yeah, it seems so backwards too. Like it seems like your health is paramount through all this. And how are you gonna be healthy by being outside and active? It's like the biggest like fucking it's the ever, like yeah, yeah. Yeah. We don't want to go down that. No, no, no. Way. We're going to already probably, probably offend it. Like, well, and I, and I work in. Uh, going to get healthier. That's the weird thing. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, you know, the contracts is here in BC and Vancouver Island. Like you would hardly even know that there was anything going on here. Like yeah. we can sit at the bars. We go <laughs> anywhere we want, really. Wow. closes at 10 o'clock. That's, and you know what, to be honest, I'm probably sleeping by then anyway, so. Yeah. I feel like last call 930. We <laughs> uh yeah, it's pretty cool. Not sure if you're creating fans or enemies no, right I'm now. Probably, probably enemies at this point. Atlantic bubble? Are they allowed to go out or no? I have no idea. Uh the Nova Scotia guys, I'm not sure what things are like know. over there. Over there, is that yeah. right? But is there anything open there? Because everything it's weird. I don't like know. restaurants I don't know. and bars and that yeah. kind of thing are all open here. Yeah, I have no idea. Yeah, are you talking Ontario or East Coast? Well, the Atlantic bubble where no one's allowed in or out or whatever. Come on, I understand. I did know at one point there was a checkpoint going into Nova Scotia, but I'm not sure what's going on with that now. Yeah, I'm not sure at all either. Yeah. I was actually just on a Zoom call with our IST team, which you know, integrated support team for our, our Olympic pathway team and, you know, speaking about injuries and stuff. But one of our... Um, one person on the team there is from Halifax and I should have asked her what's going on over there. But mm. I, I think, well, she's a physio and I think anyways, I'm speculating here, but it, I don't know. I know she's surfing for sure. Um, yeah. I think but, all like Nico and those yeah, guys are all surfing Logan. Yeah, yeah. I think they're in the water. I don't know how much they're allowed to travel around the province. Like, you know, if you live in whatever Lawrence town and it's good on the South shore, I don't think you're supposed to be driving. Up really? and down, chasing way. I don't know. You're probably supposed to stay in your yeah. bubble, yeah. yeah. I would or maybe imagine. That's, that's maybe relaxed, but I know at the beginning yeah. it was kind of like if there's surf in your immediate area, it's okay, but don't be like. Yeah, my understanding of the Atlantic bubble is anybody was allowed to move anywhere within the Atlantic bubble. Oh, so once you're so in, you're in. Yeah, basically. once you're in, you're in. That's <laughs> oh, okay. That that, that could that could be true. <laughs> We yeah. can move on. Yeah, more COVID talk. Everyone's done enough of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanted to tell you, Noah. So that, so you're telling me that this year you're going to be sort of bigger, better, faster, stronger. Is that how you're feeling? Me, I hope yeah. so. I think yeah. that's always the goal, right? Trending upwards. Yeah, nice. Uh, I wanted to let you know, Noah. Before we dive right in, your recommendations to me last time were to read 
uh, Barbarian Days and check out Hand of God. Got them both for Christmas. Haven't read it, haven't watched it, but I'll let you know. You took the first step. Yeah, yeah. That's good. I mean, it's only been a few weeks since Christmas, so. True enough. uh, What's Hand of God again? Which one's that? Um, No, In God's Hands. Oh, In God's Hands. In God's Hands, yeah. (laughs) I was like, you know, you know. Oh, Shane yeah. Dorian. Yeah. Yeah, 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 it's a classic. Oh, he's a beautiful man. He can't, uh, yeah, he's just swooning every time he, like, is on screen. He's amazing. Uh, he's got a hair <laughs> in that one, too, right? Yeah, I think he's still, like, he's a full heartthrob in that one, for sure. Oh, yeah. Still, still got a good hairline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. I'm looking forward to it. So where am I talking to you guys from? Are you in Tofino, or are you somewhere else on the island uh we're in victoria we're in the csa Sorry. headquarters right here there's medals behind us wow okay Girl, rip girl pro search poster san fran signed by all the athletes all kinds of memorabilia back here yeah, amazing a lot, of, a lot of stuff on the floor actually but yeah this is um so csa headquarters is in victoria now is it in the uh parliament buildings or in your basement you're basically looking at the cake right there. <laughs> I'm, I'm right next to our, uh, the premier's office. Yeah. <laughs> I've got an Ocean View right here, quarter office. We're uh, actually technically in Oak Bay, but in Metro Victoria or whatever it's called, Capital Regional District. Okay. Um, but yeah, no, we got a, our office is at, on Broad Street, but I just operate out of the home office when I am home, uh, which is a lot this year. But normally we're on the road like eight, nine odd months mm-hmm. a year. So just, yeah, as long as you got internet connection, I'm, I'm working. So Yeah. So I've only been to Victoria once. Um, so I've heard about the break Sombrio. Is that nearby? Is that somewhere you surf? Or? <laughs> oh, whoops. The old <laughs> secret spots. Well, if you're going to drop anything, Sawrails are the one you're allowed oh, yeah, to. Yeah, you're allowed to. Oh, okay. it's, it's, it's in the BC Park system. It's no secret. But, yeah, it's, uh, it's you know, since my time, it's it's seen a lot. You know, I don't know if uh, anyone has seen the uh, documentary 49 Degrees, but it kind of walks you through, you know, the, the 60s, 70s through to, I guess, the late 90s with um, – you know, the squatting and, and uh, how it turned into the BC Park system. If you haven't seen it, I, I believe it's on YouTube. It's called 49 Degrees. Okay. Uh, really cool history. I mean, and there's got, of course, uh, some Tofino things in there. You're in there, right? I didn't know that. Was no, that was before I was still playing. Yeah, it was like early, it was early 2000s. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah was, you know, it's got, the, yeah, it's got the Brewilers in it. Young, young, Pete DeVries. Probably, yeah, right around 2003. So if you get a chance, it, Gives you a little history lesson on what's going on around here. What's that video called? Uh, 49 Degrees. Okay. I think I've seen that around on YouTube. Okay. Yeah. No, it's pretty pretty good. Actually, I revisited for the first time in probably over a decade, and I was like, oh, my God, so nostalgic. That was was amazing. Yeah, I think I saw – Oh, go ahead. I think I saw some clips, like a very very young, like, Seth Brewweiler. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah okay well it was like literally 18 years ago yeah so, yeah it was a long time ago jesus <laughs> right uh sorry what were you saying noah oh i had i had the vhs copy of <laughs> degrees and then a five millimeter that this this yeah. filmmaker aaron jackson made and i like wore those vhs's out just because i was frothing so hard to see waves you know yeah. as a volunteer to watch waves that were in wetsuits and 
and close to home and like waves that felt attainable and stuff that I might actually get to surf. And, uh, and recently I had the thought of like, shit, I should try to watch those through like adult eyes. Cause yeah. I, had, I was a teenager or, or even like a preteen basically. So I was kind of like, oh, I, it, I should go to YouTube and track down like the. Then we also got the yeah. shrink. Jeremy Crespi <laughs> special right there. Yeah. I, I was digging these things out. Like they're. We kind of should have like a little, yeah. a little post. And then there was like a, the cold water classic series or peak debris one in uh, right. 2009. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That one out. And I got to get some of these DVDs. Surf Canada YouTube channel if you want to look that one up. Okay. Just downloaded it not too long ago. So have a look there. Um, oh, so you don't have to buy the DVD. You can watch it online? Yeah, I just, yeah, I, I poached it. And <laughs> can you even buy a DVD anymore? How does it work? On Amazon, you could. Yeah. yeah. All right. And, and by the way, how come Surf Canada doesn't have a, a shop? I, I Shandy was wearing this really cool shirt one time I wanted to pick up, but there's no uh, shop button. So what's the secret to getting the gear? Well, you got to be on the team. <laughs> yeah, Damn it. I get this request almost daily, and I really want to do, um, you know, some fan gear, which is really just team gear for, you know, the fans. And, you know, we are talking uh, with Rip Curl, who is our, you know, our apparel partner, um, how we can... Uh, fulfill those needs or wants um, through some uh, network of their, you know, their core shop. So um, yeah, look out for it. Well, I'm sure there'll be something before the Olympics. Um, and then, yeah, it's just, it, it's, it's tough because you gotta, you know, you gotta hit the minimums and then there's sizes and yeah, it's, you know, who's going to, Who's going to pay for all that? Yeah. <laughs> if it doesn't sell, there's only like hopefully the people that you're selling it to. Yeah. There's only like five people that want it and had to buy 500. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would know. think that's something you could sell at like the Tofino tourism van or something like that, possibly. Yeah. It's, it's, it's more complicated than it should be, but yeah. uh, we are working on it. Okay, so, cool. We just actually got our uh, Olympic athlete pins that just came. Yeah, I was actually going to try and scoot one of them. Hold on a second. Let me uh... play, play show. Tell, yeah. <laughs> I hope they. Okay, really cool. And um, so we're really stoked on that. And we'll probably be offering that online soon. Hopefully generate a little bit of um, revenue for the team to go to the Tokyo Games. And I don't know if you can see it. Nice. We go. Um, no, hold on. Here we go. Oh yeah, that is sick. I so like it. There is uh, Mount Fuji, and then you know the west coast of Canada. Yeah, the Orca whale, killer whale, sick yeah, wave with the uh, coniferous forest. Nice, I like it. And I'm glad. And it doesn't have a year on it. That's key. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, again, we weren't allowed to actually do it. There's there's a lot of commercial branding restrictions when you're dealing with the Olympic games and, you know, trademarking and all that. So this has to get cleared through the Canadian Olympic committee, um, the Tokyo organizers, IOC and so forth. So this is, this is, um, yeah, a compromise. Let's just say that we wanted to do a little bit more with the, with the Tokyo and, and use their branding, but it wasn't allowed for nice. anyways. So yeah, we're super stoked on this or, you know, very limited and, 
Um, yeah, we think it'll be a big hit in Tokyo uh, for the pin collectors. And I think it'd be a really cool memento for, you know, surf fans across Canada. So um, again, super limited and we hope to have it out sometime soon. And maybe right on. we'll work with our web developer and, and get a little, you know, work with Shopify and nice. get it out. And hopefully so, with my Rip Curl team apparel as well. Right on. I will look for that, man. I'm stoked for that. So, so Dom, you are the executive director of Surf Canada. That is my biggest hat. Yes. Okay. I also wear many, many other hats under the organization, but yeah, we can just call myself an executive. Right on. So before we dive <laughs> too deep into Surf Canada, I just want to, we've had Noah on, we've heard his great uh, origin story, his dad, the hippie, the hippies versus the loggers, um, some really great tales. What's your origin story, Dom, in terms of surfing and, and, and discovering surf? Oh, you don't want to hear about how my parents met? And <laughs> <laughs> if it's um, surf related. Let's keep it surf related. Oh, man. No, that's a wild talk. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's, <laughs> I don't know how far back we want to go. Yeah, we'll talk, yeah. Talk All right. Oh, did you? <laughs> Rick Kane, West Edmonton. Oh, Hall. yeah, we could go. We're really? going freshwater vibe. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. a freshwater guy. Like That's in right. Well, it's it's yeah. good to start with. Where'd you grow? Where are you from? Where'd you grow up? Yeah, and I, was then... born in, I was born in Calgary. Um, okay. So yeah, raised, born and raised in Calgary. I, you know, grew up a a skier. I was always into, yeah, racing. So um, you know, as a little kid, my you know, we're, we're probably, I'm going to be dropping names that probably no one has heard of in years, but um, just up the street, one of the original crazy connect downhillers is Ken Reed. Uh, I don't know if that rings a bell to anybody, but yeah, Ken Reed was a neighbor. So, you know, uh, I just followed him like, you know, cutting newspaper clippings. All, all I wanted to do was be a downhiller. Um, and um yeah. And then, you know, my, you know, every year we'd be going away, you know, on vacations like three, four times a year to California, Mexico, Hawaii, and, you know, always, you know, played around the shore break and stuff as a little kid. And, uh, you know, one day I was just like, you know, F it, I'm getting aboard and I'm paddling out and we we're out at, you know, Waikiki where, you know, we had a timeshare and, you know, there was, you know, there was no lessons back then. There was mm. no YouTube. You just kind of watched and kind of mimicked what other people were doing. So yeah, yeah, grabbed a board, paddled out, and literally, I'll I'll never forget. You know, it was just out of Publix. You know, spun on my first wave, and uh, yeah, you know, the rush that I got from dropping in was so much greater than from boogie boarding the wall. There, it was just mm. like the acceleration, the glide, and I I completely remember like. I got so far ahead of the, the wave. And again, this is Waikiki. So it's like crumbly, whatever. It might have been hip chest high. Mm -hmm. And I got so far in front of the wave. And I just kind of remember like, oh, if the white water gets you, you're going to wipe out. And I remember the wave kind of caught up to me. And I fought my way through the white water. And all of a sudden, it was like, you know, a green wall in front of me, you know, going mm -hmm. front side. And, and I remember distinctly in my head, I'm like, this is it. This is all I want to do. And, you wow. know, you know the, the wave petered out and I paddled back as fast as I can and did it over and over again, literally for the rest of that, you know, two week vacation, I was out there every single day. And I, I think it was the second day I was out there. It was, uh, 
you know, rented the board and literally that night I couldn't lift my arms because I paddled so much and I was so burnt. Mm. And I was so psychic. And like my mom had to like put creams on me and I couldn't go outside for days. And I was like so bummed that I couldn't serve for like I don't know how many days. But anyways, yeah, going back to Calgary as a 12-year-old or whatever, like that's literally all I wanted to do. And um I remember going through one of my you know ski magazines and there's like a little article or something about I think it was like Tom Sims snowboarding. I'm like, oh my God, that's kind of like surfing on snow. And, you know, this is 19, I want to say, you know, mid eighties. And, uh, and, you know, again, before internet, I don't know how I found out, but, you know, just on the other side of town, there was uh, the Achenbox, which were um, the first guys to bring snowboarding to Canada. And they had a, a shop called the snowboard shop out of their, uh, out of his mom's, garage and I remember you know getting a ride up there and we we're so like wasn't sure we we're fired up we walked like knocked down the garage and you know can't open the door or might have been Carl and and yeah we rented some gear and they had a hill in front of their house and tried it out there and then yeah you guys should go to Sunshine Village and yeah I don't know it was that's kind of how it started and I was just super into like the flow of you know snowboarding and powder and it was like super similar to you know what i experienced surfing and then you know every you know christmas vacation spring summer dad let's go to the let's go to the beach let's go to the beach so we'd be going out you know huntington and you know i'd go you know we were seeing the op pro and in hawaii you know like you know going to the pipe masters and i was just like fully obsessed this is all i want to do as soon as i got my car when i was 16 boom um, you know, I heard about from a high school friend that, Hey, we went to Long Beach on Vancouver Island. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time I heard there was waves. I was okay. like, well, it's in Canada. <laughs> Cause back then it was like, literally it wasn't California, Australia, Hawaii, you know, Tahiti, Indonesia or whatever. There wasn't waves. Like yeah. you're looking in the magazines and whatever. And, and I was like, it blew my mind. And I was like, dad, 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 we gotta go. We gotta go check this place out you know and I looked on the map and it was like yeah you know draw, drove all the way out there and I remember the first time you know saw because you don't really you don't see the ocean when you get to the junction mm-hmm. and you're like Where, where's the ocean <laughs> yeah. like, I see there's more trees and you turned right at the junction and you know saw the parks um parks building we asked them they're like oh yeah turn left at Comer's Beach and Went to Gomer's and I remember coming out of the out of the trees that are down the path and just like it was like oh my god it was like discovering plutonium or something yeah. was like, like, I don't know it was like amazing it was just like oh my god there's waves in Canada and you know that that really changed you know my trajectory because for me I was like as soon as high school's done I'm moving to Hawaii that's what I'm doing yeah. you know and and when I discovered there was waves in Vancouver Island and you know kind of got into like the little groups of surfers on, you know, I started with the Nanaimo crew and then, you know, the Tofino crew. And then, you know, I, I you know, started going to university at UVic and yeah, it was just kind of that way. And, but, you know, going back a few, a few years, you know, I was working for uh, a shop called West beach and um, mm. with, uh, with a buddy of mine, John Little, and this was like 1987 and we were just kind of twiddling our thumbs one winter. You know, we're selling board shorts and bikinis in the middle of winter. There wasn't really much snowboard gear. 
Yeah. And we're just talking about, yeah, you know, let's, you know, let's, you know, have like a surf party, get our friends, make, you know, make some trophies and all that kind of stuff. And then one of those nights I, uh, I was just randomly watching TV and, you know, randomly the, um, ISA world amateur championships from, um, uh, new key England was on from the previous year and boom, like light bulb. I'm like, what? You're doing a world championships in England. I was like, well, we're doing a contest in Canada. Yeah. So, you know, like West Beach fully supported it, uh, you know, proposed it. And then, yeah, that next year, 1988, um, basically plus the momentum of the Calgary Olympics. Like there was a lot of things kind of like, we got to do this kind of thing. And yeah, went to, went to Long Beach, just put up a tent, didn't ask for permits, didn't ask for anything. Wow. Like, it wasn't really a parks, anything. It was free parking. <laughs> so imagine that now. <laughs> but I, I wow, totally yeah. remember, and again, this is, yeah, exactly. Like, there's, <laughs> like, yeah, there, there was no one out there. Like, you know, it was like middle of summer. You know, I think we saw one guy in the water. And I, I remember, you know, and this was like, again, before the internet, before anything. And and I remember showing up, you know, with the West Beach crew and, you know, like we didn't know who was going to show up. You know, we, you know, we didn't know how big of a, a contingent of surfers there were on the West Coast, but somehow word gets around, especially, you know, when, when the, sh when the surf shops were really the central place to, to learn about the culture and everything else. And uh, yeah, the word got out and there, it was, it was packed. And I remember the first day there. It was, it was, you know, localism was still a thing back in the 80s. Okay. You didn't go down to, there were some South Island spots, uh, you know, and it was all the way through the 90s. And we'll get to that story later. But, you know, we got there. It was like someone rode out with their feet in the sand, West Beach, go home, like uh. 100 foot long <laughs> <laughs> sand, sand footprints, you know, West Beach, go home. And we're like, whoa, what's this all about? Anyways, we had it and, and uh, you know, the uh, Raph Brewiler won that first year and, you know, he blew us all away. It was like, I think he just got back from, from California at the Pasquitz surf camp. And, you know, he had like an Almeric surfboard and, we're just like, oh man, look at this kid! Like, and I think he was like twelve or thirteen at the time. The young hot dog. Yeah. We so was like, this a ISA registered event, or this was a oh, private? Yeah. No, okay. no, no, this is this yeah. is. Oh yeah, you didn't even have permits. That's right. No, okay. no, <laughs> exactly. You, know, you got to think about the '80s where we came from. Everything was DIY, you know, from snowboarding. You know, like you just had to hike. You know, if the resort didn't let you up, and back then a lot of them didn't. Um, mm. You know, you just had to find a way to go snowboarding with skateboarding. You know, you had to build your own ramps. There was no parks, you know. Yeah. Like, and the same thing with surfing. You know, there's no contests. There was nothing. And, you know, like I said, growing up, um, you know, with my parents taking taking the family out to, you know, wherever we wanted to go. And like I said, you know, saw the, you know, o, you know um, OP Pro, which was the biggest contest of its time, which is now the U.S. Open and the Pipe Masters and the Gotcha Pro in Sandy Beach. And you know, as an impressionable young teenager, and I was like, you know, bikinis and cool guys and neon and loud music, and it was a party atmosphere. And you're just like, sign me up. This is what I want to do. Yeah. And on top of like, this is like not only the coolest sport, but it's the best feeling sport. Mm -hmm. um, so it was just like, yeah, it changed changed my whole life trajectory. Going from I want to be a skier, ski racer to I am 100 percent behind 
surfing. This is it. So yeah, that first contest in 1988 was just, just us doing it. We just said, nice. made a poster, made some trophies, told some people, they told some people <laughs> and yeah, it showed up. And then the following year in 89, we moved it to Cox Bay because there was a campground there and just a big group site. And it, it literally exploded in Tofino back then. Like you heard from Noah's story, it was just all resource extraction. So fishing and logging, there, there was literally no mm. tourism. People didn't mm. never heard of Tofino or EQ. You yeah. know, people went, it was like, oh, I'm going to Long Beach. Mm. Um, so yeah, when we people, like went to Florencia and didn't go. Yeah. And, like, no one even, my first time to Tofino or to Long Beach, I never even made it to Tofino. Yeah, it's like amazing <laughs> to think that that could, you know, like yeah, there's yeah. no uh -huh. chance. And yeah. they're like, ah, no, this is it. And the line. Yeah, I'm yeah. that's it. And yeah, that first trip that I went there, I actually grabbed gear from Live to Surf, which is, mm -hmm. you know, in similar area, like kind of where Chaco Fino is right now in that original yeah. And they gave me like this dive suit with a beaver flap and this 70s single fin fiberglass thing. But man, I was so fired up because we were just going. I, you know, I, I didn't think we were going surfing because I was, you know, in Vancouver for expo 86 at the time when i first heard about long beach and waves in vancouver island i was like we gotta go so um you know back to you know our first contest and then in 1989 you know we did it again we moved to cox bay we had a big group site you know the, the campground still exists actually just reopened and it went literally from you know a couple dozen people to literally hundreds of people on the beach mm. and it was sunny you know mid-20s it felt like California suddenly. And the locals were like, what is happening here? Like, what's happening? You know, <laughs> it didn't make any sense. Like, you, you'd have, you know, like, going to Tofino now, you'd be like, like, that's not, like, that's nothing. But yeah. know, back then, it was like, literally no one was on the beach. No one would be in the water. Um, so, did you yeah. Know then that, did you know and, then that you were a part of something really special? Yeah. No. Yeah. We just did because we wanted to, we, yeah. we, you know, we wanted to do it because it was fun. You know, there wasn't a pathway to professionalism or, you know, oh, you know, to the Olympics, even though that's always like been a dream to go to the Olympics, you know, originally as a, as a, you know, a downhill skier or whatever your sport was. And it wasn't, it wasn't even a thing for surfing, but like I said, you know, like, you know, experiencing all those contests in the 80s, I was just like, oh my God, this is way better than the Olympics. Are you kidding me? There's like bikini contests and what t-shirt contests and people way are drinking on the beach. <laughs> not that any of that stuff happens anymore, yeah. at least not in North America, but, um, you know, it was, yeah, place. it was wild, wild <laughs> times in the 80s, you know, like the OP Pro, there was, you know, that first year we were there, there was, you know, the big Huntington Beach riots. Mm. You know, like cars were getting burned, you know, like, yeah, it was crazy. Like it was a hundred percent different time. People got way more loose. There wasn't smartphones to snitch on your neighbors or whatever else, but you know, it was definitely a lot. And that was the other thing that was really attractive to me. And I think we talked about it before is, you know, surfing compared to other sports is completely unregulated, no structure. It's whatever you want to make of it. So those first contests, you know, we kind of mimicked what I saw when I went to, you know, the contest that I went to, you know, we made it as close as we could. And it was just really to have a good time to be part of that lifestyle. And really the cool thing about those first contests, it was really kind of the first time that all these divergent 
um, local spots on Vancouver Island actually came together. So you had, you know, mainland surfers coming out, South Island surfers, you know, mixing it with the Tofino and the Yuki and the East Islanders. So, you know, none of them really mixed before, you know, like mm. Tofino would not come to the South Island. Your car is getting burned, glass smashed. Wow. Yeah, it was gnarly. Like, things were way gnarlier. And, and this contest finally kind of brought everybody together. And, you know, you crack a couple beers with, with the boys and girls. And, you know, those weird little cultural things kind of go away. And I, I think it's, you know, it, you know, as you saw the incarnations later and later, it, it became, uh, it became more apparent that what we were doing was actually really special. You know, people, people got married because of those contests. People got wow. broke up because of those contests. Children were born out of wedlock at that concert. Yeah, so these, these contests became like a cultural flashpoint for West Coast surfers. And, you know, it was something that I think a lot of people look forward to on the calendar every year. And so, you know, fast forward to now and, um, you know, it's, it's a lot harder to have a contest. So there's way more uh, requirements with, you know, permits, insurance, traffic plans, security, you know, it, it's not how it used to be. And that's, you know, pretty, um, it's just the way, you know, our, our culture as a whole is gone. Um, and our community, especially yeah, too, too, like Tofino's, so that now, yeah. like pretty yeah. soon, yeah, and pretty soon you might have to add COVID vaccine to that list of uh, eligibility well, yeah. requirements. Well, hopefully not. Hopefully, yeah. it's not a requirement. But we do like we just had uh, a contest in November for our uh, national, local national team championships, which we call the the Rip Curl Hometown Showdown in lieu of the national championships because we were allowed to have um, 11 people on the beach without um, getting a permit. We still had to get approvals from the municipality and tourism and all that and had to submit our uh, COVID mitigation plan and everything else. So, you know, it's still very involved, but a much smaller and, and no spectators made for TV kind of event. Um, so, it, you know, it was a lot different um, than what we normally have because the Nationals, you know, what was known before as a Rick Curl Pro Tofino and before that Rick Curl Pro Stew and Summer Surf Jam before that. It's gone through many incarnations, but, you know, the one thing that it always had was that cultural aspect, you know, the people on the beach just uh, celebrating the beach and surf lifestyle on top of the competition, front, mm-hmm. which is really, really important. And unfortunately, yeah, we lost that last year and, you know, it, honestly, it probably doesn't look like it's going to happen this year either. Live events, mm. particularly in the first half of 21, not going to yeah. happen. So, you know, if we're looking at, you know, potentially in September 21, but we'll, we'll see. Um, yeah. But yeah, that, that's definitely a, a, an issue. But yeah, we're doing everything we can. And, you know, back to our original conversation, you know, uh, about being outdoors and the healthy lifestyle. You know, I think Vancouver Island is really... Um, been really fortunate because of our geography you know even though we've you know had over i think three four million visitors to the island over the summer you know from ontario from quebec from alberta you know we have you know almost a negligible amount of um, 
uh, infections and I think 11, 12 uh, deaths and they were all, um, from what I understand, you know, in their 80s um, in, in, you know, palliative care as well. So, um, yeah. yeah, we've been extremely fortunate and I, and I attribute that to the outdoor lifestyle. Yeah. Um, everyone's outside and, you know, having the ocean, you know, it's, it's a high ozone area. Uh, anywhere the ocean meets meets the land, it's 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 the highest concentration of ozone, which yeah. is really good for for your lungs. Okay. Um, yeah, they bring. It's actually medically proven. Uh, they bring. What, I don't know. I don't want to go too deep into it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not. No authority on it. So, yeah. Anyway, it's super super healthy. So you know, uh, serving itself is is you know it has been identified as one of the lowest risk sports in mm. the Olympics. Um, so yeah, we're looking really good for even having fans in Tokyo now that we're, sorry, I'm pivoting all over the place. That's okay. Looking forward, yeah. forward to uh, Tokyo 20 plus one. Um, yeah. So yeah, surfing super healthy. If you can do it, get out there. Um, yeah. Being in the ocean is, I, you know, not just mentally good for you, but So those early contests you were doing under the umbrella of West Beach, I remember that brand. I used to have a like a teal hoodie from them, but I think they kind of tapered out like in the 2000 teens. Is that correct? Yeah. So Chip Wilson, who you may have heard. Oh, this is Chip and Pepper. This was his. uh... Chip Wilson is the owner of Lululemon or uh, was the founder of Lululemon. And, oh, wrong guy. Okay. Yeah. yeah different, different guy, but he also started West Beach in Calgary. Oh, okay. And he combined that with uh, this shop in Vancouver called Cal BC, California BC. And so they opened up a shop in West Forth and then one in Toronto and they kind of went across Canada for a while and they got deep into snowboarding and they, you know, the West Beach classic of a Whistler is, still legendary like it's one of those things it all happened like right around the same time like you know like the late 80s and 90s and stuff when literally anything goes (laughs) you know you you just say you want to do it and you know there's really no one to stop you you know like it was yeah okay cool just yeah you know and all's good until someone gets hurt kind of thing right yeah um yeah so yeah it was a really exciting time for for snowboarding back then too, you know, just, you know, getting into the Olympics in 98 and, um, you know, it, it was a really quick trajectory with West Beach there and they supported surfing because that's where uh, the brand really originated from, right? It was, uh, it was the first place in Canada that brought in, you know, like Billabong and Quicksilver mm. and all that kind of stuff. Like you couldn't get anywhere else. It was back in the days where you literally had to go to California or Australia or whatever to get your vans or your, whatever now it's like well get anywhere in the world right so you know it was kind of a a point of pride back then when you when you actually had surf gear (laughs) yeah oh my god you were in hawaii or you were in Mm. california your checkered bands or Mm. yeah now it's yeah it's ubiquitous now it's like you were in nanaimo yeah you were wrong yeah whatever right yeah yeah Yeah, it was was really crazy times and yeah there was a lot of a lot of good energy and money being thrown at it like i remember west beach was just like yeah whatever you want to do we'll support it like Mm -hmm. doesn't matter well you know we're not going to give you a hundred thousand dollar check but they were super supportive and then 
Um, yeah, anyways, back to the real story. So we did an 88, 89, and that's when the town was just like, holy crap, what's going on here? Way too many people. And around the same time, um, I think it was in 89 as well, um, there was, there was like, again, you know, like Huntington Beach had their riots. Kelowna, Regatta had riots, well, what the police call riots in, I think, 85 and 86. Uh, Qualcomm Beach had their riot in wow. whatever. That's so it's kind of a thing, you know, like, oxymoron. Yeah. Well, they used, yeah, they had the Sandcastle building contest, but, you know, it was just, yeah, teenagers, no, no supervision, booms, wow. things just, yeah, you know, spiral. <laughs> and it was just kind of the culture at that time, right? Yeah. It was just kind of like, yeah, you know, don't tell me what to do. We'll do what we want kind of thing. And you get a crowd mentality and suddenly there's 10,000 people doing things, right? Yeah. Um, but from what I understand, no one got hurt. It's all property damage, right? So yeah, insurance takes care of that, right? I suppose, <laughs> so yeah. Anyway, so my point being, so in 89, yeah, the town was like, oh man, well, like no riots here. We can't do this. So okay. we didn't have it in 1990. Um, and so... I'm going to like kind of go back to the East coast and without knowing what's going on, like we only know what's going on in our area. Again, no internet. Mm. So what was going on at the same time on the East coast, there was a group of guys um, that started the Canadian surfing association, CSA uh, to, uh, to uh, field a team to the very first time in Japan in 1990. So that's ISA. Yeah. The ISA world championships and world amateurs. 1990. So there was a group of three guys, four guys from Halifax that went there and uh, kind of started the thing. And we didn't hear about it till probably a year later. I think I saw it in a newsletter or something like that. And from one of the shops called HTO here. And I'm like, oh, yeah. oh, so amazing. Let's, you know, so I, I think I wrote him a letter. <laughs> uh, you know, couldn't afford a long distance phone call across Canada back then. You know, <laughs> yeah. Wrote a letter. <laughs> Wrote a letter and three months later got a letter back. <laughs> and back then the, the world championships were every two years. So the next worlds were in 1992 in Lacanau, France. And uh, I was like so fired up. I'm like, I want to be a part of this. And, you know, sent them a resume and I think a video resume. And, and uh, so I got, I got on the team and um so yeah, flew flew to Lacanau, France, without knowing any of these guys. And so you were you were an athlete at this time. Well, I was well. We were competing. We were running our own contests, and I was doing a few contests in California too. Okay. And it was you know again we're we're talking about you know like eight, late eighties, early nineties, and you know it was there was no hope of me being anything beyond what I was. Okay. But I mean, what were you hired as at CSA? Oh, I wasn't yet. Oh, so okay. We're, we're getting to that yet. So oh, sorry. It was happening on the East Coast. I just applied as a, yeah, as a surfer to compete on the national team to go to Lacanau, France at the World World Amateur. So when I went there, it was all East Coast except for myself. And mm -hmm. it was, it was, yeah, it was absolutely formative for me because back then it was the world amateurs were it included all the disciplines it was like the open man's open men's and women's juniors longboard kneeboard bodyboard there's like 
I think 600, 700 athletes uh, across three or four different podiums. It was, it was my first real exposure on the inside of being like a surfer competing and the biggest surfing event on the planet mm. in terms of participation of competitors. And it was, yeah, it was, it was crazy. And it's lacking out France in the nineties and there's, you know, yeah, it was, it was wild. Like, you know, the, the French fans are absolutely incredible. And, you know, back then they had um, a championship tour event just before that um, in Lackanau. It was part of the, the ASP tour, which is predates the WSL. Mm. Um, so yeah, we're like surfing the same place as, you know, the professionals. And like I said, this was the amateurs back then. Oh, okay. Um, before they, they, got rid of that distinction between amateur and professional. Mm. Now it's just open. Um, but yeah, I remember my first, my first heat. Um, <laughs> it was probably maybe knee high. I remember uh, it was low tide knee high and like literally maybe uh, five yards off the dry sand. And we were like sitting there and I'd go, I can't believe it. And I remember the beach announcer telling the crowd, they had to like step back. So the judges could actually see the surfers in the water. Like you can, it was like so tiny. And wow. uh, I, I didn't make that heat. I think I got third or whatever. And then uh, my next heat, it was like 12 to 15 foot. It was like, wow. it was like, yeah. So the North Atlantic, especially in the Bay of Biscay, it's like, it, it's insane. It was, but the really cool thing is like, you know, we we're, you know, you're you're hanging out with you know people or surfers from all around the world like literally you know like hanging with the aussies and you know the americans you know people that you're actually seeing in the magazines and mm. so it was really really cool and actually like little little fire in me to you know actually do what we do on the west coast but actually make it um you know form uh, formalize it into an organization and and be a part of the canadian surfing association of as, as a Western um, conference or, or district or whatever. So basically came back from that and did that. So we started the BC Surfing Association. Um, this guy, Peter Jenks actually started it with a couple other guys and it was all happening all at the same time. And um, yeah, we ended up becoming the president of that. And we started running uh, qualifying like team selection events because back then we were splitting the team between the East Coast and West Coast, like half and half. Mm -hmm. Uh, because there couldn't be a nationals, no one was flying back and forth, and you know the world the world okay. was a much bigger place than it is right now. It seems like you know getting around was much more difficult and much more expensive, and and you know connecting was a lot more difficult. So we were just splitting the team. And in 1994, we were in Rio, Brazil, and you know again it was supposed to be a split team, but it ended up being mostly from the West Coast, and that's where all the Bruwilers showed up. Mm. So that's when I really got to know you know Sepp and Raph and Francis. And Catherine and um, I'm trying to remember who else was part of that team, but yeah, it was an incredible experience. First time in Rio, and again, you know, talking about insane crowds. We're talking, you know, Brazil, and it was, mm -hmm. it was wild times. And you know, and 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 that was the first, and that's when uh, Fernando de, uh, Fernando Aguirre, who's the president of the ISA, was actually elected back then in 1994 in Brazil, and he's been the president ever since. So we were there when he was elected and we threw him in the pool as, you know, for winning the election and all that kind of stuff. And he's still there. And, and um, yeah, so I was running the BCSA part of it and it just kind of kept evolving. And then I went to 
Um, Australia in, you know, I'm kind of skipping a few events here, but oh, that's you know, cool. um, I went to Australia, I think it was 1999 and um, basically hit um, what was called the, the Grand Slam event. So it was Bell's Beach, um, the Billabong, which was up in uh, Kira, was used to be the Billabong. Um, uh, there was one in Manly Beach, which was the Coke Classic. And there's one more. Anyways, I did all those events like as, um, as actually as a journalist, actually mm. went there and, and I learned a lot of the inside workings of ESP. And uh, yeah, I came back after six months in Australia, you know, kind of working the back end, you know, the, the administrative side of the sport. Mm-hmm. And yeah, brought it back here and uh, yeah, continued. And we, we basically resurrected the Summer Surf Jam, which is what those original contests were called. Okay. And brought it back in 2000 and, uh, you know, Quicksilver signed on as, as the title sponsor. And, and that's basically just as, um, uh, what's that surf movie called again? The girl one, uh, Blue Crush happened. Yeah, was right and then too, and literally surfing in Tofino exploded. Like really, the two thousands on it was, yeah, like we're talking thousands of people on the beach. Again, it, was, it wasn't as hard to get permits as it is now, <laughs> yeah. or you know, as as, uh, as involved. And yeah, it was crazy. It was, yeah, we had a so that just it just kept evolving and evolving, and um, yeah, through the two thousands, and again, I think we became you know, a victim of our own success by 2004 Quicksilver basically tried to take the event from us um, Mm. and go directly through the town. And so that we went through a bunch of legal problems for two years and then, um, yeah. uh, And then we basically restarted in 2007. Uh, Drew Hawkshaw moved from Quicksilver to Rip Curl and he and me were just like, hey, we got to get this contest going again. And I go, Drew, you know, you be the face. I'll do all the work. And, yeah, we restarted as a Rip Curl Stew. And that went on for, well, it just changed its name and, and still continues to this day as, as the Rip Curl Nationals. So, yeah, Amazing. that's pretty much it. Um, and then, yeah, I moved from – so the Canadian Surfing Association has always been headquartered on the East Coast in Halifax. And in 2011, um, uh, I was appointed president, probably because no one over there wanted to do it anymore, <laughs> as an interim president. And never uh, got thrown in the pool, though. Yeah, I never got thrown in the pool. No. So that was 2011. And uh, yeah, it kind of evolved from there. And in, I think, the following year, and I was kind of like, well, yeah, I'll take it on. You know, my heart wasn't super fully into it. Like I wasn't fully into backing the ISA at that point. Mm. We were more going down the professional pathway. I really, really wanted to do WSL events. And that's when we had, you know, the Coldwater Classic in 2009 and 2010. I really thought that was the best pathway for Canadian surfers. Mm. You know, who cares about the ISA? It's like, it's fun. And, you know, it's a really, and back then it was like in that kind of years, it was really good for the juniors. But yeah. for the opens, it wasn't really good. So it was a really good stepping stone for juniors, and that's yeah. where where Noah jumps in there. He was, I think, your first event was Huntington. Yeah, I think yeah. so. And it was the same, like you said, it was half East Coast, half West Coast at the time. So 
you know, just that alone, you get to like interact and meet surfers that you have maybe heard of that haven't met, you know, within our own country. And then the same thing, like you're brushing shoulders with, I remember when I went, you know, there's the guys that are like dominating the pro surf scene now were the guys like, I think it was, I think it was Brazil the following year. I think Jordy and Julian were in the final together. Mm. Like, so it's the same guys, you know, that have kind of been at the top their entire lives and you yeah. get to against them and see them surf in person when your level is, you know, coming from a place like this, you're just so green to it. And it's like, it's such a mind blowing experience to, to get to go, you know, surf a heat against someone like that and, and brush shoulders. And maybe, you know, as you get older, like you eventually kind of at the after party or having a beer with, you know, all these cool people and cool surfers. And, and I still have so many friends like that I've met at those ISAs that, you know, I've gone to California and stayed with one of the buddies that I met at night games in Huntington to this day, I still hang out with him and he's one of my good friends and, you know, friends in Europe, friends in Australia, all over the world that you now have like a crash pad or, or someone to meet yeah. up with. So it was a really cool, like a lot of camaraderie, you know, Yeah. and, and when you're competing for your nation, there's a lot of national pride, but mm. also you're trying to represent your country as best you can. And part of that is in the relations between the competitors too. So everyone's kind of putting their best foot forward and there's no ego. And it's just like, it's a celebration of, Good times and serving you know so it was, it was an epic thing to get to be a part of and what was that like when you joined forces with the east coast was it like you just merged and meshed really well or was there you know big differences in the culture or we we, we talked about being honest in this right there's honesty in this podcast. <laughs> yeah 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 you want to be honest yeah, yeah yeah from our west coast perspective we you know, didn't feel like the, the quality of surfers coming out of the East Coast was um, worthy of that level of quota. There uh, was good surfers. There, there just was, wasn't as many. And then there would yeah. be a West Coast woman or man that got left behind for like, in favor uh, of who was, you know, far inferior because the breakdown had to work that way. I see. Yeah. I think for West Coast people, especially the ones that got left out of the team and then they look at someone who's like literally can't even ride down the line but gets to go to this event or something yeah. you know yeah. like, so there was that and that's just unfortunate that it had to go that way but it wasn't like it wasn't like it, there was bad blood it just was no, like that yeah. that was kind of like a bummer of you know yeah the way it was yeah. and the scene on the east coast was newer so it yeah. just that's mm -hmm. the way it goes yeah but sure. it was like there, when I went, I think Nico went that game, yep. that, that those games, or, or maybe he went for the open men's that same year. And mm -hmm. he was just as good as everybody from the West coast. It just, yeah. he was the only one at the time that was at the level of Sepp and Raph and Pete and those guys. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you know, you look down the list and you're like, Oh fuck that, that person as nice as they may be, just shouldn't be at an international event. Yeah. Like I remember when I was there in Huntington, there was a kid, I honestly don't even remember his name, but, he like needed to be rescued in his heat at Huntington, wow. like head high. And he was like in the pier drowning. And I was like, <laughs> like oh, you're competing at like an international event and yeah. the card needs to save you. And it's head high. Like that puts in perspective, right? Yeah. Not a good sign. No. And it's just kind of like, especially as a teenager, you're already like super self-conscious about being from a fringy nation. And then that happens. You're like, sweet. We look dope. Jamaican bobsled. Yeah. 2.0 <laughs> yeah 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 but like whatever it's not at the end of the day it yeah. fucking cares but it just was funny at the time I remember yeah i was like yeah maybe you don't belong here <laughs> no wow. yeah you need a little bit more development and, and that's you know that's growing pains for everybody and you know I, we totally understood you know the east coast perspective you know 
But yeah, this you is know, by no means a dig at the East Coast. No, no, not at all. Like, no yeah. problem. No, like, we love the Maritimes. It's just you know, like the the depth of talent wasn't as deep as the West Coast, and not to say the depth of talent on the West Coast was really that deep. No. It literally was yeah. just enough to make a full team. So yeah, it, it really, it was just it, it was the ones that got left behind for for you know uh, servers that really shouldn't have been on a national team to compete at the world championship. Gotcha. Other than that, yeah, everyone got along hundred percent. Like when, you know, out of the heat and everybody supported each other, obviously it's just like, Oh my God, we could have had someone else in this heat instead yeah. or whatever. And we could have done better. We could have been yeah. in 23rd place instead of 27th or something like that, you know, yeah. but you know, it's all good. We're here now. And you know, I, it's, um, yeah, no, super excited about, you know, doing events on the East coast again. And, and I, you know, that's something that we want to do and we're looking to do this fall as well. Um, you know, like I said, we did the hometown showdown just this November, uh, just a tight little, you know, one day event. We want to take that same format and do it in Halifax as well. And, and, and as I mentioned on a, a previous call, I'm doing Toronto, um, mm-hmm. you know, basically a strike mission kind of thing. And we'll have a lot more details as they come, but, you know, spoke with uh, CBC sports today. Okay. Yeah. Bit, bit of a big deal. Uh, yeah, and really excited. You heard it here first. Breaking <laughs> news. Yeah, and they're really excited about what we want to do, and um, yeah, so yeah, so we're 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 excited about bringing uh, competitive surfing to uh, to Toronto and and to Nova Scotia under you know the Surf Canada uh, banner and. Um, so you're and, looking at doing some Great Lakes competitions? Is that what you're? Yeah, one competition. Wow, yeah. amazing. You know, each one's going to look a little different. You know, it's going to be, um, you know, based on, you know, what's happening in the area at the time. So, you know, it's, yeah, we'll see how it goes. You know, like the right West Coast version is going to be much different than it is going to be in the Great Lakes versus Halifax. Yeah. It's its own special and unique zone, and we're going to celebrate each one for what it is. Yeah. And then well, uh, when you- also give it some stakes, whether it's, prize money or, or, or a ticket to nationals or, or whatever, we'll, we'll still come to that, but it's, yeah, really exciting for us. And I'm super fired up to go to the Great Lakes and how yeah. sad that I've never been. Well, now that I'm hearing you guys are coming this way, it, it's not like I would ever compete, but be sure to maybe keep me in the loop of that. I'd love to see oh, how yeah. I could yeah. uh, like, be involved yeah, like with I said, that. You know, like all the, all the contests we do, it's not just the competitive side. It's also, the cultural part, you know, yeah. people coming down and celebrating the, the lifestyle of it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you don't have to be a competitive surfer to enjoy a contest. Like yeah. it's, it's, there's way more to it. It's like, you know, like Noah said, when you go to the world championships, it's like, yeah, you know, bumping into people you never would have before and, yeah. and just find, you know, the common ground is obviously surfing um, yeah. and yeah, sharing, sharing a beverage and a lot of stories and, and making friends. So Man, that is the best news I've heard all day, you know, as we watch the United States crumble <laughs> with the Capitol Hill stuff. And, man, it's good to get some good news. Thank you, Dom. So yeah, I hope we can pull it off. You know, yeah. it's, you know, it's what we want to do. And, you yeah. know, obviously we we have to, um, you know, take uh, what the local health authorities will allow and, and what the, you know, the, the – 
you know, the, the local communities will, will allow as well. We're not going to force our way into anything. Yeah. You know, this is something that's got to be community based and something they want. So, um, you know, from all indications, uh, like everybody I've talked to, I haven't heard a negative. It's like, yes, please, let's do this. It's no, positive that you yeah. start from Derek, I think. Right yeah, there. exactly. <laughs> I think so. it's going to be super fun. It's, and, you know, something that we can grow on, not to, you know, not from us directing it, but, you know, from the Great Lakes region and Halifax, you know, we just want to lend our expertise of, of running events, which we've been doing since, like I said, 1988 and, and you know, going to international events and, and you know, professional events and stuff like that. So, you know, we got, a, you know, three decades of experience and, yeah, just bring that to it. But like I said, you know, the community is really going to drive it. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, super excited about it. I know we went off on a tangent. I can't remember where we're going with that. The show is all tangents. It's fine. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, yeah. So if we wanted to talk about it, so yeah, 2011, you know, I, I got the presidency of the Canadian Serving Association. And so it was just kind of like, okay, well, I'm not sure what we're going to do with this. We're going to keep running our contests over here. And, you know, we started calling them national championships because, you know, we could. And, um, you know, our contests were growing. And then I got an email from the, the Pan American Games. Mm. Um, and there was uh, a movement to bring surfing into the Pan American Games in Lima mm. in 2019. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, we've gone through this before, you know, like, you know, the Sydney Olympics in 2000 tried to get the surfing in. And we've kind of been through this Olympic roller coaster before. So, I didn't put a lot of um, effort into it. And, you know, they asked me to do, you know, contact the Canadian Olympic Committee and, and get their, you know, letter of support and all that because they needed a certain percentage of the Pan-American countries to support uh, a new sport coming into the, the program. Okay. And I was like, okay, this is pretty exciting. Let's see if we can, you know, make this work. And, uh, you know, Pan Am Games is the second biggest multi-sport game on the planet after the Olympics. I'm like, wow, that'd be so cool. And, you know, Lima, everyone knows surfing and surfing is a big thing there. And, you know, maybe this can, we can pull this one off. And then literally about a year later, you know, Tokyo had surfing on, on the, the short list of program on their sport program. And like I said, you know, we've gone through this before with Sydney and, and um, you know, other potential um, games hosts and, uh, when it got on the short list and they decided it was like these six sports, these new sports are nothing. We're like, Whoa, wait a sec. Surfing's included on the short list and an all or nothing proposition. And that's when things really started happening with the Canadian Olympic committee. And um, man, if I knew, <laughs> if I knew then what I know now, what I had to go through to get Canadian Surfing Association as a recognized uh, national sport federation, um, it was, it was so much work. Basically you had to, had to start from scratch. You know, uh, we, that's why it's not, no longer called the Canadian Surfing Association, Surf Canada. We kept uh, the CSA part of the name, CSA Surf Canada, but it's trade name is Surf Canada, um, just for continuity and, and, you know, a, a nod to the heritage and, and everything else. But yeah, we're, we're a fully recognized national sport federation and national sport organization through Sport Canada uh, who's our funding, um, our, our main funding source. Um, still going through a, a few hoops there to get core funding. We have, um, for the first time ever, 
Uh, one of our surfers is a carded athlete. So Cody Young is a carded athlete because mm-hmm. he was ranked top 16 in the world after the last world championships. Wow. He just missed it by one spot. Uh. He got 17th in 2017, but he wouldn't have been eligible back then anyways because our organization wasn't eligible. Oh, okay. You talk about that insane story. And that's the other thing about, you know, surfing and sports for me, why, why it keeps me going. It's, it's just all these chicken skin moments. Like, you know, when he got 17th at New France and Biarritz, it's just like nothing else makes me jump out of the seat than, you know, like a Canadian doing well, like mm-hmm. breezes on the QS or, you know, him winning here. It's like, like I still get chills thinking about it. Yeah. It's just, you know, you know, Mateo Olin winning gold and bronze in Lima and, you know, and again, bronze. It was just like, like these, these moments in Canadian surf history is like unbelievable. And I, I was there, you know, like, yeah. I, like, I feel like, you know, like I contributed a little bit for their success. And, you know, like, <laughs> but, you know, like, I'm such, I don't even know if I'm a super fan. I'm just like so obsessed by it. I'm, I, it's not it's like one of those things that i can't quit yeah uh, like i don't know <laughs> how is, you're a fan of sport though yeah like, i'm a fan of sport but i'm like and yeah i'm obsessed by surfing and so he, noah let me ask you this noah about dom because i'm sure he's not gonna you know he's not gonna want to boast about himself but i'm curious i didn't know the extent of dom's involvement um i knew he was pivotal but hearing this story i mean dom you're like You've been there every step of the process. So, Noah, I'm curious, man, from your angle and from the athlete's angle, how do you guys look to Dom? Like, he sounds like the freaking godfather of Canadian surfing. Like, he's literally... Godfather of Canadian competitive surfing. Yeah. Dom's a coot. <laughs> he's useful, but he's a coot. <laughs> yeah. um, well, for me, that was funny, like, listening that, to that timeline that he just kind of shared with us. I mean, up until I think the the 05 Quicksilver Surf Jam that he cited as the final one before they had a little bit of a, you know, whatever you want to call it, disagreement. <laughs> um, that was the first event that I remember, like, like that I can actually, you know, go back and put myself on the beach. And I remember it was like, I think that one was presented by Coors Light, maybe, or that might have been a later one. But there's like a hot tub on the beach. It was like this party saps in like a visor dumping beer on his head and like yeah. it was it was just like such a you know like he described such a different time but for me that was like I was just like little kid just freaking out about how sick everything was you know yeah. like, and so I I probably met Dom officially like at one of those events probably that 0405 event um and then and then yeah like as I start traveling when I was a teenager Dom not only would be like the guy that facilitated these events at home, but if I was passing through Vancouver, it was like, Hey dude, you can always stay at my house. You know, I'm always going to help you out. Like it was always like fostering any sort of career that I may have thought was coming my way or not even just, just being a friend and being a good dude mm-hmm. um, through surfing, you know, like we said before, like those relationships that you build through surfing um, and then make friends around the world. Like Dom for me was always that guy in van. I was always crashing on his couch, driving me to the airport um you know so he was like essentially doing what he does now for me for nothing out of kindness Mm. so i remember dom right away from from that as like outside of the the surf contest stuff but he was you know an integral piece of 
where we're all at now because there wouldn't have been contests. Like no. everyone yeah. thought it was sick, but no one cared enough to actually do the work. Yeah. So Dom was the guy that put his head down and actually made the shit happen, you know? And, and it's pretty cool that it's been the same guy putting in the work for nothing except for the love of the game. Mm-hmm. Literally since I was before I was even born, you yeah. know, like that kind of a testament to Ouch. how long. <laughs> no. Hey, we've been coming to the same party for a dozen years. Yeah, I know. Is that depressing? I yeah. think it's whatever. But no, it's just, it's one of those things where he's donated and, and given so much of his time. And there's always going to be people that might think this is a dumb idea or that's a dumb idea. But like at the end of the day, no one was fucking doing anything at all yeah. about it. You know, no one was, no one was saying, oh, I want to organize. It was like, oh, I don't like this, but also I'm going to go home now. <laughs> so if Dom didn't do it, no one ever would have. And it's pretty, pretty epic that he's done this much and still continues to do so much. Like the guy seriously will sit in this room and be on the phone or emailing or, you know, filling out like form after form, like he said, to be recognized as um, a governing body. Like it's, it's all a lot of work. And, and I think people forget that. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's been really cool to to have him as a friend. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, like, you got you got to make it look easier. Yeah, it's not cool, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, Dom and I were talking the other day, and and I think you just raised a good point: is that from the outside, the optics looking at something like going to CSA Surf.com or whatever it is, SurfCanada.com, mm-hmm. you know, you're seeing these dynamic videos and awesome branding and everything just looks so polished um, that you would imagine there's this huge committee and team of people doing things. Not that there isn't some others. Like, oh, we did this. It's like, no, that's the royal we. He's done everything. There's like six six of these. And yeah, I think people don't really realize that that's the way it's always been. And even those events, you know, like, whether it's a, a rip curl event or a quicksilver event over the years, whatever, it's always kind of been Dom behind the scenes doing the work. And, yeah. you know, there's, there's a lot of credit to be given. No matter it, like if you have anything to say, like bad or good, it, you know, there's just so much time he's put into it and you kind of got to recognize him for, for sticking with it and, and loving it. Like literally the guy won't watch a surf video. He just watches old heats because he, if there's no nothing at stake, he's not into it. Like yeah. it's like the sport aspect is so, <laughs> so yeah. it's a it's a unique perspective and it's cool and and it's it's just cool to see him care the whole time, you know? Yeah, for real. It's, it's super true, but yeah, I, I have a hard time watching free surfing clips unless it's like a weird wave or you know the boys here. Yeah, I'll watch surf contests all day long, no problem. Wow. It's been a tough year not watching surf contests. So yeah, Amen. we just got the old old WSL. Um, contest like on demand, it's just like <laughs> cycling through, but nice. yeah, it's super cool, you know. Like, you know, like other things that we haven't touched on, you know, beyond the cold water classic, you know, I got the opportunity to, to do the beach announcing at the Rick Girl search event in San Francisco in 2012 mm. and the cold water classic in Santa Cruz, uh, when Taj Burrow won that one and gave me the wow. search event, so. And, you know, I, I was doing the beach commentating for Kelly Slater's 11th world title. Wow. So, you know, yeah, you know, me talking about my timeline, because I rarely do it. It's like, oh, my God, I, I feel like Forrest Gump here. I've been kind of like, at these yeah. old, old kind of <laughs> I was also at, you know, I was at Pipeline at Kelly Slater's. Very surf, first, Dom, surf. Yeah, very, very first time we won the world title 92 at Pipeline. I was there. 
next to his girlfriend when he won the title. And, and I was the beach announcer in 2011 or 2012 when he won the 11th one. And yeah, it's, it's kind of weird. Yeah, it's a bit of Forrest Gump stuff there going on. But yeah, now we're on the we're on knocking on the door of Tokyo 2020. And, you know, the thing that keeps me up at night is, you know, like, I, I don't want to leave any, like they say, any stone unturned. You know, I want to, you know, make sure our, our surfers have, don't miss any opportunity for them to, you know, get that shot at, you know, the first Olympics ever. So, and, you know, beyond that, you know, we're already working on 2024 and for wow. Paris 24 and Tahiti and, and, and 28 in LA. And, you know, we got side projects with, you know, um, you know, wave pools and, um, mm. you know, there's, there's literally hundreds of things I'm dealing with. He's still saying we, though. He keeps saying we. <laughs> well, there's more yeah. people than me. <laughs> there is more. We have consultants and volunteers and board of directors and stuff like that. It's not all me. But, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of the, 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 the glue, I guess, the central figure in all of it. Yeah, for sure. When there's a book yeah, written excited, you know, Like, honestly, there's so many days that I'm like, why am I doing this? This sucks. It's like, there's so many demands on me. And I'm like, why am I doing this? I could be surfing like this guy, but no, I'm yeah. stuck on 10 zoom calls in a row. And I got a, you know, all these forms and papers and things to do and phone calls, but you know, it's like, I can't quit. Like my mountain, my Mount Everest right now is getting a Canadian to the Olympic games and mm-hmm. hitting the podium. And, and I truly believe they have the capacity to do it. I truly believe it. Uh, we are going to shock the world and that's, that's the chip on my shoulder, and it's always has been from the very beginning. Canadian surfing, are you kidding me? And and now it's like you're proud to be a Canadian surfer, mm. you know, because of these guys. You know, yeah. like all the all the content they put out, it's like, yeah, you can paddle out with your you know shoulders high, and you're stoked. Yeah, where are you from? America? No, I'm Canadian. No way. Do you know Pete DeVries, Noah Cohen, Raf Ruwaler, Sap? You know, like all the boys. You know, Nico Manos. You know, like. Um, I'm missing a bunch of people. Of course, Matei and Snow, like we've got yeah. a pretty, you know, considering how few people actually live on the coastline in Canada, we've got a solid amount of surfers that are world-class. Yeah. And I'm very, very proud to be a Canadian surfer. And I'm very stoked that, you know, I was a, you know, a small part of it all the way through. Yeah. You know, so you guys have both traveled a lot. What are, you know, Dom and No, what are some of the characteristics that you think make, like, capture the spirit of Canadian surfer? What sets us apart? Not even necessarily competitive, but what do you see with Canadian surfers when they're I mean, out in the wild? I, I think right away you just, you look at what you have to go through, like, to deal with the weather and, and the climate. Like, that alone is a pretty big deterrent especially as a youth like show me how many like eight nine ten year olds are excited to put on a five mil and paddle out alone Mm. and get smoked for the first three four years of their surf life you know like it that that is a testament to uh your dedication right there so if you get through those young years and and progress and get to the point you know maybe where you are competing internationally or whatever you you have to make it through a pretty rough environment compared to like getting nudged into a wave at Waikiki when you're five years old and on like your pops longboard, right? Like it, yeah. it's such a different thing to, to come through. And, and I think the personality type too, like it's, it's a little bit more hard nosed, a little bit more blue collar. Like it, it doesn't really lend itself to like a friendly, you know, especially when I was coming up and more so for him, even like it's localized, like no one's like looking to promote the sport. 
Mm. You're kind of battling all these little variables right off the bat. Mm. Um, But in that, I think there's a mutual respect created because when you look over at someone who's put that time in, you feel what they, they went through as well. You know what they Mm. they pushed through. So you have this appreciation for each other, I guess, in a way and, and, and how much of a a commitment it is. And um, I think when you travel, that's the number one thing that people trip on is like, Oh my God, you surf in that weather, which as you know, isn't really that bad once you, you know, you have a brand new rip curl flash bomb that you put on toasty dry because you're rotating through three or four. It's not so horrible, but, (laughs) but um, yeah, I think that's the thing that people right away are drawn to the, the, the elements that you push through and, and maybe that's true to a degree, but once you get used to it, it it feels like, you know, part of the course. And, um, and yeah, I think Canadians in general are kind and polite and respectful wherever they go. And that is something that people always, you know, like you mentioned about, oh, are you American? It's like, as soon as they find out you're Canadian, you're automatically like two pegs up in their books. You know, you haven't even done anything other than Canadian flag on your chest, basically. And and you're kind of good to go. So it makes it a little easier to travel as well. No, Um, thanks to Dom's 80s crew. Good thing we moved. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that was the 80s all around the world. Yeah, I don't think, you know. Specific think, to anywhere. Yeah, I think the yeah. 80s still exist in like, you know, Central American and South American countries. Like, they're a little, yeah, they're, we're just, anyways. Yeah, exa- I just want to like, you know, add on to what, what Noah said. It's, yeah, I, I think it doesn't matter what, you know, as a Canadian, it, it, the commitment to be a surfer, whether it's not easy being a surfer in Canada at all. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you, you know, even if you live on the beach, it's, which is very few of them, mm-hmm. you know, the, the time commitment, the type of jobs you have, the type of car you have to drive, you know, the money you have, you know, whether you're a river surfer, you know, whether you live on, you know, mainland in Vancouver or Toronto, like it is like, that has got to be your North star. Everything that you yeah. do in your life, it's not like an add on to your life. It is your life. Yeah. And everything else is kind of like supports it. Yeah. Like to be a, to be a Canadian surfer, like, like even me, I live in Victoria, I, you know, across the streets of the beach, but you get waves, shitty waves a couple times a year i gotta drive an hour and a half to to go surf and that's pretty close for a city wow. um you know it's um you know it's the closest city it, yeah, you know, well, other like, than halifax yeah i guess but you know and, and that's and you know i get tired of the drive but i'm just saying it's like you know it's the commitment especially at the very beginning you know it kind yeah. of self-reflects and you know, I think it's a lot easier for people now because you do have the internet, you know, when the waves are going to be good. Like getting skunked is a lot harder now. Um, you're just dealing with more crowds. The wetsuits are infinitely better. You yeah. know, like ones that we used to struggle with used to like give you rashes. You were bleeding after every session. You were freezing, couldn't lift your arms, all that kind of stuff. Like it was, it was you know, like why we kept surfing, I have no idea. Yeah. Like that's how good that's how good surfing is. Yeah. If you're gonna suffer that much, yeah, like that's how good it is. That's all yeah. I don't know. That's a really cool it. way to summarize it, actually. It's like you think back to all and I didn't even get the worst of it. Like, you know, the further back you go, the worse the gear was, the board sucked, the suit sucked. And if you can even get it back, yeah, and, and exactly. There's so many hoops, and the fact that you still like, you know throw away a very good education to end up by the beach. <laughs> you know, that's a testament to how sick the sport is and how, how, you know, rewarding and, and epic it is to get like that one wave of your year or whatever it is. So yeah. it's uh, cool when you think about it that way. Like there's not many things that like 
take all your attention and, and drive and love and, and force you to manipulate your whole world to, you know, find it and meet it basically. For sure. Yeah. But obviously there's other places on the planet that, you know, surfers have to suffer as well. You know, I, I think, you know, Canada's kind of been a really cool spot in history where it is kind of recent ish, but not super recent, you know, like yeah. we have like 40 years of solid surfing history and actually go into the fifties really. But yeah. Um, yeah, I think we're in a really cool spot and especially with the women's surfing on the West coast, I don't know what it's like on the East coast and the great lakes, but it seems like from seeing Instagram, it's pretty 50, 50 and the same mm-hmm. thing on the West coast. And that's so rare to see anywhere. Mm. I, you know, so I think that's a very Canadian thing. Oh, okay. like, you know, gender equity and, you know, like, yeah, they're, they're really, you know, although there was localism and there still is a little bit, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you call it localism anymore, but you know, it's, it's not the super most welcoming at certain times in certain places, but you know, Tofino is just really, really is that spot. Tofino and Yuki and on the yeah. West coast. But it's, yeah, it's great to see, you know, like there isn't, yeah, we, we're not stuck with that, um, that old structure that, you know, the Californians and potentially Hawaiians and Aussies have where it was really tough for girls to break into the lineup or, or mm-hmm. you know, other minor, you know, minorities or whatever, you know, like over here, it's, you know, I think it goes back to, you know, just the harsh climates. If you can put in the time, you've earned your stripes, you know, yeah. it doesn't matter who you are. Mm-hmm. You know, you got the, it's really merit-based uh, meritocracy. And uh, I think that's what's super cool about surfing. You know, the ocean is is everything and unfeeling at the same time. You know, it's a life force, yet it doesn't doesn't care who you are. <laughs> the greatest equalizer. Yeah, it's as democratic as you can get. Right? Yeah. If you're if you're good at you know synchronizing your body with the swell energy, you're gonna get you know the the respect from other surfers in the water, and they're gonna get the good waves. And yeah. that's purely based on time in the water and your skill set and yeah, you're earning your stripes. So yeah. And that's the cool thing. Like there's no like, Oh man, there's a girl in the water. There's, you know, whatever. So I, th- I think that's a really cool Canadian thing. Um, yeah. I, I haven't really experienced it anywhere else. No. Yeah. And there's some, some great players for sure on the female side of surfing in Canada. Yeah, yeah, amazing. And the super cool thing right now, you know, as everyone can see, it's, like women's surfing is just exploding right now. Mm-hmm. Like the girls coming up, you know, including our own, like Sonoma and Mateo, but you know, there's, there's such a cool group of groms coming up. That's really pushing the performance. And it's, it's so exciting. I, I, I like every week you're looking at new clips and just blowing my mind, you know, like it's, you know, there's Aaron Brooks out of Hawaii who's, who's half Canadian, her, her mom's a Canadian and, you know, we're, you know, she's kind of on the pathway to get on, on her national team as well. And, you know, if you look her up, she's like packing barrels at pipeline and she's 13 mm. you know, in the eyes and, you know, on her backside, just packing barrels and big wow. and Yeah. She's insane. And then, you know, there's another kid, Luke Kenna, like another kid who's like half Hawaiian, half Canadian. And yeah. And that's the other cool thing, you know, there's Canadians all around the world. And I think, that kind of indicates like, you know, we have to travel as Canadians, you know, mm. like it's kind of in our DNA. Like if you're a surfer, you, you're going to travel, especially, yeah. especially in America. 
So, you know, some of those Canadians kind of drop roots, you know, in Australia and, you know, Central America. I know a lot of friends that have never come back and they have mm-hmm. in the world. So there's going to be another generation of, you know, passport Canadians that are going to be coming through and, and help push the performance of, mm-hmm. you know, the homegrowns. Yeah. So it's, it's really, really an exciting time for this next group of homegrown talent. And, and um, yeah, you know, it's, it's always been, like I said, you know, at the beginning of the show, it's just like, you know, our, our depth of talent's always been really, really thin. Like it's, it hasn't been very deep and it's getting, now we're seeing it, it's getting deeper by the mm. you know, about a year. So really cool. I'm wow. really excited about our future. For sure. You know, I can see Canada and we are, you know, Canada is on the ISA uh, top 10 country in, in the world. Okay. In the open. So, you know, we've made huge strides, you know, from being a, you know, a third tier country in the, in the twenties to a top tier country in the top 10 Wow! Uh, and battling for those spots. You know, it's, yeah, we have a great, great opportunity coming up and, yeah, you know, come, come watch, you know, check out, you know, csacircanada.org, you know, and uh, follow along on our, on track to Tokyo. So uh, it's going to be exciting. It's, I, I hope everybody that surfs in Canada and or has, you know, some sort of interest in surfing, you know, they're going to follow along and, and cheer, you know, it's nothing like sports to bring a community together. I truly believe it. For sure. I think we might come back to the Olympics, but I want to ask, I want to bring this up with Noah. So Noah, the other day, Dom and I were talking and he brought up something that really piqued my interest. We were talking about the discipline of surfing and there was a bit of comparison going on between Surf Canada and the curriculum of uh, Paddle Canada for for subsports. And I recently did my ISA, uh, you know, instructor training. So we were talking about that and some of the curriculum and whatnot. And Dom was talking about how you know, a lot of the reasons why so much of that infrastructure is new and is still being developed is because surfers by nature are these sort of non-conformist, free-spirited sort of people. Um, but then he got on to this side of how sport and competition has also always been a, been a part of our DNA. You know, who could do it better on that day? That's, that's how you quoted it. So I'm wondering for you as an athlete, Noah, how do you balance that competitive side versus all that other stuff that comes along with surfing of it being personal, of it being an expression, of it being maybe, hey, I don't want to know what you thought of what I just did. I, I don't want any of that pressure. Yeah. Um, I mean, that that's like, I feel like the, the, the day that, it was announced that surfing was going to be in the Olympics. That question maybe slightly worded differently was basically, you know, there's a lot of like surfing purists that thought it was a bad, you know, something, something they weren't excited about. And, you know, you're bringing a more organized governing body in to like take away the soul of your sport. And it's, I think it's a lot of personal preference, but at the same time, it's funny because those same people are probably sitting there watching WSL on their computers. So you're like, you're watching the same fucking thing, but like suddenly now it matters. So yeah. I don't know. I've always, I, I didn't grow up in the action sports realm and like surfing was my first foray into action sports. Other than that, I was a team sport kid, like super jockey and mm. soccer, hockey and that kind of thing. That's what I liked. 
So I didn't come from like the skate, like counterculture as much. For me, that isn't instilled in me. Like I'm the guy that's like probably more like the push up protein shake (laughs) type dude, but I don't love competing as much as, you know, a lot of people do. So I feel like I still do have, you know, that element of, I surf because I love it, but I did grow up watching sports. So I, I feel torn sometimes oh, too. Okay. I, I think people, it's just personal preference, really. Like whatever it is to you is is fine. But it, it uh, it's funny to me when people are like, there's a lot of people up in arms about the Olympics as if it was going to like suck the soul away. And it was kind of mm. like, well, competitive surfing has been already doing the same thing in my eyes yeah. for a long time. And to me, I look at the Olympics, especially as like this absolute celebration of, of sport and and the world coming together and, and what I've experienced at ISAs and Pan Am trials is that to like, you know, a, a, a tiny degree. And it's always been such an epic experience that when I did hear that surfing was in the Olympics right away, I was like, Oh, that's epic. And if I could ever get to go, I would in a heartbeat be wanting yeah. to do that. So I don't know. It's, it's a funny debate and I don't think there's ever going to be unanimous agreement. I don't think there's a right and a wrong answer. It's just, what is a sport to you? Right. Or, or maybe it's not a sport to you. Like yeah. to me, it's both. It's my absolute favorite thing to do. It's what I've, you know, molded my life around to make sure I can always be in the ocean. And, and I can tell like when I do go through injuries or when I go through, you know, stuff that, that commands my attention for a few days, the absolute thing I want to do the most after those few days of not being in the ocean is just get in the ocean, go surfing. So whether it means, Oh, I'm doing it cause it's my job or I'm doing it cause I'm in a heat or just simply doing it because I love it. It's, it's all those things, you know? So I know it's probably a shitty answer to the question. No, it's great. Yeah. I think it really depends on, you know, like Dom spoke about, he's really into the sports side of stuff. And for him, it, it having those stakes is, is important. And it, it really, you know, as a fan, I think when you have those stakes and you're like, okay, there's a minute left, here comes a wave. Can this male or, or female perform under pressure? Can they give it their best? right now one shot go there's mm-hmm. something to that that's pretty damn sweet and yeah. man, it's pretty cool to like you know be part of the moments where you do perform and you do make the heat and and we got to do that together and in, in france um and i was there for when when pete won and like i literally getting goosebumps thinking those moments because they are they're special man and yeah i think all the people that are you know preaching negative stuff probably haven't experienced that and I bet if they did, they'd probably find it a lot more entertaining than they think they they would. Yeah. <laughs> but who knows? I, I, yeah. Yeah, I don't think it necessarily has got to be binary, black and white. I think it's. Yeah. I feel like I'm in like yeah. the total. Like I said, yeah. it's yeah. it's a spectrum, and, and that that evolves, changes. I I think a lot of it, from the purest standpoint, you know, they're, they're, it's it's really kind of selfish, you know, because I'm the same way. It's like I don't want my spot to get crowded. It already is crowded, and it's like you know, right away, Olympics, spotlight, you're going to go, oh man, there's going to be thousands more people in the water. That means less waves. I get like, what makes you so special? Yeah. You know, it's like to that ideology. Yeah. You know, and (laughs) yeah, and I get that that at a selfish point because surfers are selfish, you know, like, and that's where, that's where we talked about where it's, it's part of surfing DNA is that competition for that wave. It's Mm. part of it. And that's where, that's how competition is based on. Now you got 20 minutes or 30 minutes to get the best waves. And that it's the battle. It's, it's exactly just a microcosm of what happens in a lineup anyways. Right. And the best surfer is going to get the best waves. And that's just, 
that's how it is. And that's yeah. what happens every single day. It's not like snowboarding or skateboarding or whatever. It's like, take your turn. Like, hey, it's your turn going down the run or whatever. Uh, in surfing, it's like, no, I want that wave. Look at this set coming in. I'm I'm battling for it. That's that's comp- that's competition. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when you're on the wave, you don't want to blow it. You want to blow up in order to get another good set wave. So it's yeah. like a it's a feedback loop that way, right? Um, yeah. So like I said, you know, I get the the purest part of it. Yeah, I'd love to like surf alone at a point break with a buddy or two, and that's happened. And those mm-hmm. are beautiful moments. Absolutely. But I'm not like jumping out of my chair, screaming my head off, going, yelling, go Pete, go Matea, go, you know, Noah. Like, I'm like losing my mind when I see these kind of moments. Like, yeah, yeah. And chills, you know, like, mm. I, it's like nothing like sport does that for me. And I, yeah. I think, you know, a lot of people can say that because sports is like a multi-billion dollar industry across all the different sports around the world, you know, like a trillion probably. Barely And the Olympics is awesome. It's It's like, yeah, you know, like there's, you know, I'm conflicted on the Olympics too because there's, you know, there's a lot of, you know, everything's hypocrisy, right? You know, like there's, I love the spirit of the games. Obviously, it's like, you know, people coming in for the pure act of who's the best, you know, for, I want to see absolute pure human performance, mm-hmm. you know, like who's going to run the fastest, you know, like, or who's going to, like, whatever. And then there's like the business side and the political side. And, that kind of mars the purity of mm. sport. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's the world we live in. So it's like, what are you going to focus on? You know, it's like, it's both sides of the same coin, right? Like you're going to have a dark side and a positive side. And I always like to look at the positive. This is why I do it. And, you know, you're going to have to go. Yeah. Like you're going to do things that you don't want to do. Like there's a pile of administrative stuff that I need to do in order to make sure sport is sport in Canada. You know? Yeah. But, you know, and that's, uh, yeah, business is sport, the politics is sport, there's, you know, like, but, you know, when you look at it and those pure moments, like, you know, like, you know, seconds left on the clock, under the gun, who's going to perform, you know, it's all or nothing right now. And that's, I think that's one of the coolest thing about surfing compared to snowboarding, compared to skateboarding. It's not like under the gun, it's, it's head to head competition. Yeah. You, you're, you got to beat someone else, not the field. Right. So, yeah. you know, we can go deeper in why I think competitive serving is superior to a lot of sports. It's very tactical. It's not just technical, you know, mm. like it's a chess match. It's a dynamic chess match. You know, you got to be on, you know, the offense and the defense at all times, you know, yeah. like not wait your turn, you know, like that's the thing. It's, um, and, and that's the same thing with, you know, being out surfing in the lineup, you know, it's like, you're constantly jockeying. You're looking at, Who's next to you? You know, who's, who's going to be in position? Hey, didn't that just guy get a wave? Who's back paddling me? Like, it's not a chill time in the water mm. in most places, you know, it's yeah. so, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's in our DNA. It's in surfing's DNA to get good. Yeah. Best Why is it? First of all, actually, I want to say the other thing too, I think that makes this extra exciting is that these are all firsts as well. Like yeah. these, the, not just first Olympics for surfing, but first Canadian athletes going into the Olympics for surfing. I mean, history is unfolding. Um, and I'm wondering why is it that, what took surfing so long to get to this moment? Um, there's, a, there's a lot of things around it. You know, the, the Olympics has changed a lot in the last couple of decades. 
Um, you know, their motto is, what is it again? Fastest, strongest, whatever. So if it's not, they didn't want to put in any judged events um, for the longest time. And, and up until this time around, like in order to add an event or a sport, you had to remove a sport. Mm-hmm. Um, now it's more up to the host cities, what sports they want. So oh, okay. for example, baseball and softball keep coming in and out of the Olympic games, depending on who's hosting it. So it's a lot more fluid now. And, and that was kind of a big, big question mark with the Canadian Olympic committee about surfing when it was first, uh, added to the Tokyo program, they all thought it was just going to be a one-off like, mm. Oh, it's going to Tokyo. And so we're not going to invest in surfing, you know? you do whatever you want to do, just kind of go through it. So there wasn't a whole lot into it. It's like, yeah, it's kind of cool, surfing, whatever. And, uh, but then, you know, it was like, you know, Paris 24, you know, said they wanted it and they got it. So now we're two games and then LA 28, you know, surfing and skateboarding are the poster events for LA. So we're in three Olympic games in a row. That basically entrenches the sport into the Olympic games. Mm -hmm. Um, so now there's, you know, we're going to look past, you know, Tokyo 2020 and, you know, I can definitely foresee being, you know, some legitimate, uh, you know, financial support coming from, you know, the sporting bodies within the system here in Canada, you know, on the developmental side, because we're not getting any of that right now. You know, we do, you know, most of our um, revenue comes from our commercial partnerships with, you know, Rick Curl and, uh, Red Bull and Corona and Mill Bay Marine Group. And uh, yeah, those are our, our top four uh, premier partners. So that's where we get, we get most of our revenue. And that was, you know, mostly because of our national championships. Um, so, you know, with Sport Canada, you know, adding core funding and, and developing, um, you know, uh, the sport, the introduction, and, you know, including all the, you know, the governance and administration and everything else that needs to go along with it. So, yeah, now we're looking at, you know, not a one-off. It's not just a, oh, you know, a little blip in history. It's it's going to be a, a legitimate sport. And, and, the, and again, like the change in um, where the IOC and the Olympic Games is, they're, they're moving towards, a, you know, a greener, sustainable um, model. So, you know, they're looking at host cities that have already hosted or have most of the facilities. They don't have to build stuff. And, and surfing is... You know, there's nothing to build. Put up some mm. scaffolding and yeah. whatever else. You know, it, it there's it's it's very temporary. It doesn't it doesn't affect the environment at all. You don't have to generate anything. You know, like you're not building any infrastructure really. So it, it's a very green in that respect, and and ticks a lot of boxes for the you know the new Olympics. So when surfing came into the Olympics, I take it it wasn't just assumed that. Canada's part of the Olympics. Did you then have to, you had to take Surf Canada and make your proposals and really fight for that? What did that look like? Well, no, so everybody has, so in order to qualify for the Olympic Games, it's by name. So Canadians still have to qualify for the Olympic Games. It's not like Canada gets a quota and we get to pick who gets to go. They still have to qualify through this final qualifier in El Salvador at the end of May. Uh, beginning of June. So, um, but yeah, because it's part of the Olympic program, um, it basically opens the door for the Canadian Olympic Committee to say, okay, we're we're going to accept surfing as a, an official sport 
underneath the Canadian Olympic Committee because they're mm-hmm. uh, a, a, um, yeah, a national Olympic Committee, an NOC um, under the IOC. So it's it's all about jurisdiction and stuff. I don't want to get too deep anyway. But yeah, yeah so it's not an automatic you're, you're uh, a COC or a Canadian Olympic Committee recognized sport in Canada. There's it, it literally took years. Um, to do, you know, we had to redo our whole governance or bylaws or, you know, policy suites, um, you know, you know, had to have a, you know, a board and yeah, there's a lot, a lot of requirements in order to be uh, officially recognized by the Canadian Olympic Committee. There's a lot of, a lot of, you know, dots, to, dots to hit or eyes mm-hmm. to dot, keys to cross. And, we know what yeah, you're trying to say. Yeah, it, it, was a, it was a long and arduous process. And, you know, like I said earlier, you know, if I knew then what I know now, what I had to go through to just to get to this point, and we're not even in the Olympics yet. You know, we yeah. went to the Pan Am Games, absolutely incredible experience. And like I said, Mateo Olin, you know, winning the bronze medal, first ever, you know, medal, obviously because of surfing um, for the first time, but absolutely incredible senior on the, on the podium and, you know, in the Canada jumpsuit or tracksuit with the medal. And, you know, that's forever burned in my, my brain. And, you know, in the previous year for, you know, the trials going into it when, you know, she won gold and bronze, it was, yeah. So, you know, imagining that going into the Olympic games times, you know, there's no bigger sporting event in the world, you know, like FIFA world cup, but it's, you know, one, one single sport, but it's, in terms of audience numbers, it's probably very similar, but this is, you know, the biggest multi-sport event. Um, yeah, it's, you know, something that I've always looked to since I was a little kid, you know, like the Olympic Games is just like something that you just wanted to do. And, you know, I was lucky enough, you know, as a kid to, you know, um, you know, go to a couple Olympics as a spectator and, you know, it's just the, the energy. And then plus, you know, Vancouver 2010, you were there, I was there, it was Vancouver's never. I was there. You were there. It was like, come on, like the energy. It was like yeah. when when the games ended, it was like so depressing. Yeah. Like how depressed were you? It was it was a come down. It was like a full come down. Yeah, it was, like, it was oh, so electric. And that's yeah, literally like as soon as the Olympics was over, I, I moved back to the island. You know, like I was working mm-hmm. for IMG at the time, and they basically closed the office after the Olympics, and I was like, yeah, perfect. I'm going back to the island. So yeah. But I'm just saying, the experience of the Olympics is just. Yeah, again, it's the culture, you know, all the different cultures coming together. And if you've never experienced it, it is something else. And I I know Toronto had the Pan Am Games back in 2015. Is that right? And I heard that was probably the best Pan Am Games ever. So, you know, for some of your audience that lived through that or experienced that, you know, the one, you know, hopefully Tokyo is able to have – you know, spectators and, and not just local spectators, hopefully it opens up and, you know, the, the athletes get to actually experience the Olympic, the full Olympic experience. Yeah. You know, I, I feel like it would be a, a real big miss for a lot of the athletes and not, not getting the full experience um, because it's just unbelievable. Like, I can't wait to see you guys on television, walking in the opening ceremonies you know, I'd be like, I know those guys. Like that—that's gonna be awesome. Oh, that's yeah. That was another thing I never thought I'd experience either. And 
again, Lima 2019, you know, the, the opening ceremonies, I didn't think I was supposed to be included in it. I thought yeah. it was just the athletes. And yeah, you know, as a team lead, I got to be a part of it. And it was like walking into the stadium and there's like, I don't wow. know, 6,000 people. And you're just like, it's out of body. Yeah. Like, I, you know, like you imagined it as a little kid. Oh, I'd love to do that. And, you know, but you never actually thought you would. And it was, yeah. wow. I didn't go in as an athlete, but I was with the athletes. And I, I, it was such a surreal and proud moment that, oh my God, after all these years, you know, we've achieved this. And if I never achieve anything more, like I'm, I'm good. But after that, I'm like, no, we got a higher mountain to climb. Wow, <laughs> like I said, I got no quit in me. There's, there's still way more. Like I've committed to this till at least LA 28, and mm. uh, so yeah, um, we're we're, we're going to get some Canadians out out, out at, at the Olympics. And Amazing. So, I I know we were trying to avoid the C word, the uh, COVID nineteen. We you know it came up enough, but the the last time I got asked about it. I know you, you're not in control of COVID-19, but when do you anticipate the Olympics might actually happen? Well, the date is set. Okay. So it's July 23rd to August 9th. Of 2021 now. Okay. Yeah, 2021. Yeah, dates were set last year. Um, all systems are go. Everybody involved is working as if it's happening. Okay. Everybody, it's... It's like an absolute certainty in so terms of all the workload. Everybody's working as if it's happening. Okay. The only way it's going to shut down, and, and people ask me this all the time, it's like the meteor hits, yeah. <laughs> aliens from outer space disrupt it, or, you know, this blows up even worse, you know, yeah. or who knows, something else. I don't know. There might be something else, but everybody's working as if it is. Japan, uh, the, or, the organizers have, or, have already said, this is at like we we can't delay it any further. It's happening now, or it's not happening at all. Okay, so, so will the next Summer Olympics be four years after, or will it go? It's going to be a compressed cycle, so it's okay. it's twenty twenty four. So okay. now we have three years to the next one. So this okay. one will stretch, and the next Olympic cycle is now three years. Okay. Um, so we don't have you know the the protocol for for, um, you know, uh, selections, but we do know that oh, they expanded the field. So the field in, in Tokyo is 20 women, 20 men. And I believe in Tokyo, it's, it's a bizarre number. I Tahiti. think. Yeah. And Tahiti. Yeah. In, what did I said Tokyo twice. Oh, sorry. Okay. Yeah. Tahiti. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> um, for Tahiti 24, well, it's pretty Fact checker. <laughs> but the contest is in Tahiti at Chopu, which is, I am so happy that, that the, the Paris team made that happen. Okay. Um, and I, I really thought they would make it happen. Like there's a lot of, a lot of people said, no, nah, it's going to be in Lackanau or, or uh, Biarritz, which would have been awesome. Like what a surf town. We love it there. Um, but yeah, in Chopo, it's, it's really going to, I, I think it's going to take over the visuals coming out of Tahiti during the Olympic games. I think it's going to take over the game. So, are you so will you be going that? to, yeah, it's a compressed cycle. We don't know what, qualification is for Tahiti, but I know oh, okay. we're gonna have to be there a bunch of times for qualification. They're obviously okay. not gonna do qualifiers in a beach break in order to qualify for Chobu, which is you know the heaviest yeah. planet that's on the tour. Now Noah, if I remember correctly, you were not you were not going to the 2020 Olympics, correct? 
No. Okay. But now it's 2021. Are you back in the running? Unless, unless there's a job. He's coming. <laughs> okay. I'll push your job that I can scoop. I got some, I got some passes for you. Yeah, um, you yeah, no, it's, yeah, unfortunately, you know, we can, we can talk about his big mistake during uh, the Olympic selection trials, but uh, I'm sure he doesn't want to relive that one again, but Hey, what are you going to do? He basically gave it away and, and, and Pete, Pete got it and uh, advanced and yeah, got the final Olympic spot. And so, you know, he owes Noah. So now I'm pencil pushing. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, but you know, he came back the, the next heat and he fought. Yeah, it was good to see. You didn't, you didn't want to, didn't want to let another one slide, but yeah. So yeah, that, that's another thing, you know, again, you know, with, with surfing in Canada and, and so few, few competitions and, and you know the, the culture we have around competing you know it's it's a lot different than what it's like in you know latin america where you know they're paddling over each other so you know there's a lot of respect between you know the surfers on on the west coast and yeah you know they're they're not as cutthroat um and you know to yeah. a fault actually you know in the, in the big yeah. bad world of sports you know you have to be you gotta yeah. be able to cut your best friend's throat sometimes if you want to you want to make the team so yeah. So sorry, I'm not sure if I caught that exactly. So Noah, will do you have a chance for 2021, or is the team no? Okay, no, no. So so it's the same team that would have been going to 2020 is still okay. Yeah, nothing's changed now. Okay. Yet. So the, the the selections that were done in 19 have to have to hold all the way through to. Oh, okay. So nothing changes that, and that's been all ratified by the International Olympic Committee and our international federation so nothing can change um so yeah okay so noah 2024 then okay yep. him for 24 he's got it backside that's for sure backside barrel high on this guy we'll see yeah tahiti you want it tahiti sounds nice regardless i'll pencil push it that one too if i have to yeah yeah well he's going to take over my role one day when i retire that's my succession plan yeah 2028 Grooming me, grooming subconsciously. This will all be yours. Like the sunset we just had from the office while we were talking to you, I was like, "Damn, I could, I could do some office work." Here. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, Corona's just doing paperwork. Yeah, by then, hopefully, you'll have some people doing a lot of your work. Yeah, exactly. So. I'll be delegating. Yeah. I'm better, better boss. So, what's the surf like in uh, Tokyo? It's it's much like the east coast of Canada or the U.S. Um, you know, it's, it can be very good and it can be flat. So, okay. um, you know, that time of year, it's a little early on the typhoon season this year, you know, we like watched during the Olympic window when it would have been, and it was, uh, it would have been in the second half of the Olymp uh, the Olympic window. Uh, and there was definitely four decent days. Like it would have been considered really good days here on the West coast, uh, in the summer. Um, but yeah, it can be big and chunky and stormy typhoon. The thing about Tokyo this year, it was like, it was a weird year because it wasn't hot. Uh, mm -hmm. you need, you need it really hot to get those typhoons going. So what's good for us isn't good for the endurance athletes. So if you're a marathon runner and it's like hundred, hundred percent humidity and 35 degrees, which is what it's going to be usually like in July, August, you know, they're going to be, I'm pretty sure they're scheduled to run at like two in the morning or something like that. Wow. Um, but this year it would have been fine because I don't think it got above 25 degrees and humidity was pretty, mm. pretty regular. So 
Yeah, we don't know. Uh, but they've done a regression analysis over the last, I think it was 10 or 12 years. And, you know, it was like, it was pretty high. It was like 80 odd percent. That'll be, you know, five foot plus over that Olympic window. So, um, you know, the, the, they picked a really good spot. It's a jetty break. Um, so the, the sand holds, even if it's small, it's got really good shape. So I've been there a few times, um, you know, to secure off, uh, you know, we're not going to be in the Olympic village because we're like two hours away. So we have to secure our own accommodation. So I've been there a few times and yeah, I love Japan. The, The culture there is amazing. Um, if it was in September when we've had the last two world championships there, it was pumping pumping nonstop like september mm-hmm. like most places in the world is prime time but uh yeah end of july early august yeah we're expecting it, it could be anything right so you know and and that's where i look to pete DeVries, who's been training all his life and you know probably as bad a beach break as you possibly get you know 350 days of the year you know a dozen days of the year it's really good or whatever but you know and with the five mil wet seed so you know i give him even odds you know to hit the podium at, at Tokyo. Like the guy awesome. is an absolute weapon in small surf. And we saw that at the last world championship. He took out world number one, Philippe Toledo and world number two, Jordy Smith in Japan in the mm-hmm. same heat in, you know, chest high waves. Like, like there's no question Pete DeVries has got every yeah. weapon you need to get gold medal. I know. I always say that too. Like if the beach, if it's like any kind of beach break, shifty peak, head high and under, it's like he can be thrown in with absolutely anyone and beat them. Like wow. low Gabe, like whoever, like he's that good. So yeah, I, I would back him in, in head high and under beach breaks all day long. Yeah. Um, And like Dom said, that's just what he's grown up with. And yeah. he's, he's like that good. When you watch him in a bad way, it's it, yeah. incredible. Like yeah. he, he absolutely, sick. he shocked everybody other than us, because yeah. we knew. But in Japan, like, Jordy Smith and Philippe Toledo, world number one and two at the time, mm-hmm. and especially Philippe Toledo, you know. He's like the small weight king. Too. He's a small yeah, weight yeah, king. Yeah. And he, yeah, smoked him. Wow. So, like, um, yeah, you know, he had a little bad luck later in the heat, you know, later in the in the week when it was, like, really garbagey, and, and he lost in, like, the last couple of seconds. You know. Anyways, we don't have to go down that, but yeah, he was on track to, you know, make the finals day and everything else. And, you know, that's sports, you know, it's especially with the ISA games because they're so long, you know, they're nine days long and you got to be on every day. And some days you got multiple heats and others you don't. And it's, it's, it's taxing on your mentally, you know, it's, um, you know, like they say a 20 minute heat feels like a three hour session, you know, like wow. that's how mentally focused you are. It's hyper yeah, you talk about it. No, I haven't yeah, competed I mean, in years. So, well, those ISA ones for sure. Yeah, you kind of have to like be able to. You obviously have to be able to switch off in the evenings and sleep properly. Mm. And then, like every morning, it's like back in your little mode. And I mean that that last event that that I was at in France in 2017. Um, I whatever I was in the third or fourth round by the end, and and it, it ended up being like six or seven days to get through those four yeah. rounds. And I remember just being like, it, it's like this grind of being always ready. And then like, like I said, being able to sleep. And I think one of the days I remember I got in like a fender bender and like, oh, like wow. in fucking super chaotic grants. And like, like, dude, I got to heat an hour and I'm like fighting with someone wow. in a wrench. And I'm just like, this is not where your mind needs to be, you know? So there's all these little yeah. external factors that 
you can't even control either. And, yeah. and that's just, it's just a grueling long, long thing to do mentally. Yeah. And it's, it's a testament to whoever wins, like they deserve that. They've been on for that, that many days and found a way to get through each heat. And it's a lot, a lot more complicated than just going out and serving for 20 minutes, you know, like there's yeah. a lot to it. It's really a mental marathon. It's uh, and, and you're dealing with, varying conditions all the time you know yeah. you know france it was crazy because huge tides tides would be like dead flat for half the day and they'd like postpone up. it they'd, yeah. they'd run heats for the morning and then be like okay you come back in five hours and you come back in five hours and they'd be like no one more hour and it's just like and you're in the next and heat. you're in the first heat when they yeah. start yeah so you're like in your jersey and then waiting three hours yeah. and then in your jersey yeah. again it's, like, it's a lot right yeah. yeah um but yeah and and some people are just their ability like the ones that succeed competitively are the ones that have figured out a way to always be able to to tune into that mode obviously mm -hmm. and that's something for me that i haven't learned what works best and i think mm -hmm. that's why i find i generally perform best outside of contests yeah. like i i feel like that's something that for whatever reason i just never really managed to find that whereas like both when i look at pete and matea is another one it's like the those moments come and they they know exactly what they need to do to get the best out of themselves and it's one of those like it's a skill that is learned and some people have it some people don't and some people work a lot harder than others for it i think and it's really cool to see when people can like hone into the you know the like flow state essentially and and get the best out of themselves yeah. for those 20 minutes yeah that that optimal performance curve and being able to switch it on and switch it off when necessary it is like the biggest battle for any athlete in any sport it really mm. is and surfing i think adding in all the natural elements makes it even yeah. tougher so you know we've been you know part of my role is, is working with consultants and that includes mental performance consultants mm -hmm. you know seeing what we can do to support our athletes through these kind of things so um, you know, that's part of the integrated support team. So there's a lot of science behind the art of surfing, um, especially competitive surfing, because it really is a blend of art and science when you get down to it. And, yeah. and you know, as surfers, and I guess, you know, going back to that purist thing, it's like, you know, and, and with the whole, you know, John, John versus Gabriel, you know, like John, John just makes it look so effortless. Like he's not really trying, but, you know, looking at the last couple of videos, like Tokyo rising and stuff, now you're starting to actually see how actual competitive he mm. is, how much work he really does put into it. You know, like you don't become a world champion or win an event by accident. Yeah. You don't go to the Olympics by accident. Mm. It takes a lot of preparation. Um, it, it really is. And and surfers, I think, and, and skateboarders and that whole lifestyle stuff, it's, it's trying to make the difficult look easy. And that's what makes it cool. Um, yeah. Well, that, I think that's where that, you know, another part of that, you know, the Olympics thing, that's, it's not cool, you know, because you got to mm -hmm. work, you got to really work for it. You know, people in other, other sports will work literally eight, 10 years of their life for one moment, one mm -hmm. shot at the Olympics, yeah. you know, at least with surfing, there's, you know, was a world tour, you know, that's cool. You know, there's other and things. just surfing, like yeah. surfing itself. And it's there's surfing itself. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, like, even if you don't want to train, you want to go surf. So mm -hmm. it's like, yeah, it's not, you know, there's purposeful surfing for specific things. And like then, how many people are just pole vault around. Yeah, right? yeah. But yeah, like, you know, if you're a pole vaulter, not to bag on pole vaulters, but are they still, <laughs> are they still pole vaulting after they're done? Like, 
you know, like a football player, are they still playing football? They might throw a ball around, but you know, there's very few people in professional sports that continue doing what they did, but the lifestyle sports, that's why it's a lifestyle. It's part of your, it's part of who you are. So, you know, unless there's something physically wrong, I think, you know, most people will surf until, until you're dead. Basically. Yeah. Until you yeah. Can't. That's fascinating. Um, you know, so that's my perspective anyways. No, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Pete DeVries, 2021, Canada's man. Matea um, Olin, gold medal. We're going to swim. Okay. And Matea, I was going to ask you, female side, Matea Olin. First. Right on. Who we've also had on the show and, and was a delight. Yeah. Yes. Amazing. Yeah. She's turning 18 in uh, just a couple more weeks, February 2nd, turning 18. Oh, great. Yeah, so this extra year off for her, or the, the pause, has actually been a, a good thing for Matea. She's, mm. she's matured, um, you know, so much, you know, physically, mentally, spiritually. Like, she's a much better surfer. And she was great last year. Like I said, she won yeah. the bronze for the band. Ambience. Like, she's, yeah, she's she's like a world, you know, like full on, like she could go on to the championship tour. She, her barrel game, frontside barrel game is insane. Like she's been, well, you've been taking her, you know, to your spot um, and her barrel game's insane. Like her front side cars on right-hand points are world-class. Like she's Steph Gilmore class, you know, like yeah. I put her up there and she's, you know, just turning 18 and then her younger sister, Sonella. It's like, you know, it's, yeah, we got, we got some talent for sure. We got artillery. Yeah. Yeah. And I can't wait for the world to go, what the hell? What just happened? <laughs> yeah. And it happened. That's what happened. Yeah. So yeah. since when could hosers surf? <laughs> <laughs> so Noah, I will take, I will say though about Matea, I will take your book recommendations over hers any day. I hope so. Share her recommendation. She's <laughs> reading. I asked her what she's reading, 17-year-old, you know, girl. It's some kind of like how to be a great person and successful or whatever. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that Pete DeVries has been like pushing her through uh, some books, some personal development books. He was reading it, she said, and oh, she okay. saw him reading it on a plane yeah. and then yeah. he picked, so, she know, picked it up. Yeah. Pete's, uh, Pete and Matea are very similar type of people. They're very mm. analytical about themselves, very cerebral. They, at least this is me projecting on them. Yeah. I mean, I've known I've known Pete since he was like 12, 13 years old when mm. you know, you know, doing the events again way back then and you know his first worlds at in Portugal and everything else. So, you know, I've seen him grow up and you know, like I saw him as a kid, very similar to Matea. You know, just you know, people call him an old soul, but just mature beyond their years. Like like they're just so self-aware. Yeah. And the rest of us are just kids, you know, having a good time. Yeah. <laughs> um, still. Yeah. Still. You know, that'd be fun, right? So as we start to wrap up here, you touched on something earlier, Dom, that I'm really curious to hear more about. You mentioned wave pools in Canada. So what is the future for us landlocked surfers? Is there something more on the way? Yeah, I hope so. I've been working quite a few years on. Uh, three different projects. And, um, I think, I think I, I should say 
we have a very strong chance that there will be a wave pool, um, you know, shovels in the ground, maybe by next December. Wow. Yeah. Are you allowed to tell us where? Well, maybe even sooner. So yeah, sure. I, why not? It's, it's, it's all, well, actually, no, I can't talk about one of them. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so one of them, yeah, it's an NDA, uh, non-disclosure agreement. Um, so, broke the <laughs> so I'll, one that, edit, I'll edit it out. <laughs> yeah. So one that's very public is South Britannia, which is on the Sea to Sky Highway. Okay. And, and they're halfway through the permitting process. And that's, that's probably the one that's going to have the shovel on the ground the soonest. Mm-hmm. Uh, it sounds like they have everything else in a row. You know, they got their capital sorted out. Everything's sorted out. And they're working with Wave Garden on that one. Um, I've been working with uh, West Edmonton Mall for a number of years because, you know, they already have a facility. They just need to get a, 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 an upgrade on their swell generator. Mm-hmm. So they own... Um, uh, what is it called again? Uh, there's a new mall in New Jersey called not Mall of America, but whatever. I'm, I'm gapping here, but it's basically a sister mall to West Edmonton Mall. They they've got a, a water park in there too. That's uh, with a wave wave pool generated by uh, American Wave Machines. Mm. So they've already got um, you know them as a supplier, and the plan was pre-COVID was. Yeah, replace the the guts of the West Edmonton Mall pool with uh, American Wave Machine um, uh, machinery, basically their uh, their swell generator. So that was going to be like the path of least resistance um, because everything was built. It's already owned. It's already operating. It's just replacing, you know, the thirty five year old swell generator with state of the art stuff. So mm-hmm. that's still on the table. Um, it's just COVID's in the way and everything else. And um, so hopefully that happens because that, that would give Canada, a, you know, a, a four season, you know, enclosed climate controlled, you know, facility where, yeah. you, know, you know, we can surf anytime. Um, the one in, um, uh, on the Sea to Sky Highway would be open to the elements. So very similar to mm-hmm. what they're opening up in Switzerland right now. Uh, again, Wave Garden, you know, on the bottom of basically uh, a valley that has ski hills. So very similar to that, but you know, you'd be exposed to the elements, you'd be wearing a wetsuit and everything else. Uh, there is a third project that I'm working on, but like I said, I can't talk about it, but it is on the West Coast and uh, <laughs> we're, <laughs> but, but this is it's super close to where all the surf is. Yeah, so for us, it, it makes a lot of sense as a training facility and all that kind of stuff and be open to the public, obviously. However, as soon as one of these facilities open, it's, it's just a matter of time before, you know, Ontario, Quebec, will you will jump into the, the mix. And that's, you know, part of our hope when we do go to Toronto this fall and Halifax this fall, uh, it starts opening up doors to, you know, corporate Canada and, and seeing that, you know, whoa, you know, I didn't, you know, most, I don't know how many millions of people live in Toronto, but and aware of the lakes, but don't know that there's mm-hmm. surf there. And they definitely don't know there's hundreds, if not thousands of surfers out there. And I just yeah. heard from Nick at Rip Curl that there's a big, uh, um, um, big banner. Uh, no, what, what am I thinking of? 
there's a big what's it called big advertisement in downtown toronto oh oh billboard a big billboard yeah, sorry yeah, yeah, yeah. there we go yeah, yeah. entire a big oh, billboard fair. in downtown toronto yeah. this guy in a barrel um, really yeah so look for that um, okay i'll have to find out do you know what corner it's at i'll go take a picture of that sometime it's at uh it's at surf the greats i think um, oh okay I'm assuming that's where it is yeah yeah nice. so that would yeah. make sense now, this, yeah. is, this is part of you know our you know uh, next quadrennials strategic plan is to you know expand into ontario and, and make that um yeah develop the sport over there as well you know we're not into you know, we don't use the word growth. I don't like the word growth in, in surfing or anything, but developing, we just want to naturally allow people to self-select into this kind of a lifestyle. And, uh, you know, it already exists. So if we can get uh, a developer to come in and, and build a, a purpose-built, uh, you know, wave park in, in the Toronto region, that would do, you know, great things for us. And, you know, deepen the talent pool, you know, for the next okay. generation and so forth. So, um, you know, the same thing with Quebec, you know, I, I have no doubt that, you know, they already have like, like uh, what do they have over there? I think they got like a standing wave. Oh yeah. The then, then, wave and stuff and, yeah. There's a river wave in Montreal. Well, there's a river yeah. wave, but there's yeah. also like a, like an actual oh, flow rider, a flow thing, rider yeah, or something. Yeah. Oh, okay. You know, I, I get requests from out there all the time about, you know, hey, we should do something about river surfing and stuff. But, you know, again, under, you know, our international federation, it's really not part of our program right now. But, you know, if our international federation starts saying, hey, we're going to start doing river surfing contests, you know, and then, yeah, we'll be involved in that too. But, yeah, I talked to the guys in, uh, you know, the Alberta River Surfing Association and they got mm-hmm. – you know, a really cool culture of surfers going on there. I see on the Instagram that they're, you know, ice and snow right now and they're hardcore, man. It's like oh, yeah. doing the same thing and you know, in Montreal and Quebec City and Ottawa and yeah, there's and that's you know, going back to it, you know, that's how great that you know surfing is that you would suffer <laughs> that no one else would do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, get into a raging, freezing one degree river to go stand on this moving body of water. Yeah. Yeah. I so, saw some video of Eddie Castillo out there today with yeah. snow on the ground. Yeah. And uh, Jacob Kelly Quinlan, I found a river wave here and I sent him some video of it. And I was like, what do you think? And he was telling me there's some potential. So if you don't bring the wave pool yet, I might have to work on those river waves. I talked to Jacob now. Like I, I I, I'm sure he's working on projects, yeah. you know, not just in Canada, but around the world, apparently. He's got this little side hustle there. Yeah. Uh, building, building. Did you that. ever explore the Kenanaskis or the 10th Street Wave when you were? <laughs> well, I've seen the 10th Street Wave. It's okay. uh, it's pretty small. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Kenanaskis, uh, I was there in the wintertime and, and I've been invited out. And I'm like, I, I don't even want to be out there in like snow gear. No, okay. In the water. <laughs> All right. I, I, oh yeah, I'm too old for that. My bones hurt. I'm, I'm into going to the tropics and stuff. Yeah. So I'm actually super happy that uh, you know our final Olympic qualifiers in El Salvador. But you know, I've been going there literally every year for you know since the mid '90s. Like it's my favorite place to go. And yeah, um, yeah, I I honestly feel like you know it's almost like again that uh, you know I've been spending all this time there for a reason. You know, like 
And here we are finally with the qualifiers and we're going to the place that I've been going to for, you know, 25 years or whatever it's been. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it all feels like, yeah, I know very like forest it's in God's <laughs> it's it's in God's God's hands. feels so North Shore. <laughs> yeah. Well, the future of surfing in Canada is looking great. It's, it's still young. There's a lot of, of development that can happen. Dom, yeah. I thank you so much, man, for uh, shepherding a lot of that along since the 80s. Um, Noah, man, always awesome to have you on here, dude. And I can't wait to see you in Tahiti. I think that's going to happen. Um, thank you, sir. <laughs> but in the interim, where can people connect with you guys? Where can they find what's up with Surf Canada, all that kind of thing? And if you got any final words you want to put out there to the audience today. Um, yeah. So we got an Instagram, uh, just CSA surf Canada, um, or just punch in surf Canada, I think CSA surf Canada for everything. So our YouTube, uh, CSA surf Canada, our website is CSA surf Canada.org. Um, yeah, all the information's on there. We try to keep it pretty up to date. I think that's pretty much it. Uh, Facebook, I don't know. Does anyone still use that? <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it's CSA Sir Canada on Facebook. We don't have Twitter. Uh, we're thinking about doing TikTok, but nah. You said you have a YouTube channel though, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. And Sir so check out, there were some of those videos. What were they called again? Yeah. If you just go on our Sir Canada channel, they're just all over that. So there's, you know, um, the one is a cold water classic where mm. Pete DeVries won it in 2009. So it's a two-parter there. Um, that was done by O'Neill. And yeah, there's a few other videos, uh, you know, from nationals and some promo videos and stuff like that. But, you know, look out for the Rip Curl Hometown Showdown. That's going to be broadcast by CDC Sports uh, this spring, uh, probably primetime on a Saturday. And we'll definitely post it on, you know, our Instagram and stuff. So everyone should know what it is. And it's super, I think it's amazing video that Nate Laberty, uh, you know, produced for us, and um, yeah, Noah's in there, and Pete DeVries, and Matea, and Michael Darling, and Catherine Brewweiler, and uh, Jasmine Porter, and Sonoa Olin, and Reed, Reed Platinius, Reed Platinius there? and Caleb Temple, Brewweiler, I think that's it. Nice. Yeah. Nailed it. Yeah, like and it's going to be super cool. It, it's a killer video of, yeah, what we did during the pandemic and what the surfers have been, you know, been doing during yeah the pandemic, you know, like without the Olympics, you know, and all the uncertainty, but still being able to surf. Yeah. Just what's going through their minds and being able to compete again uh, for the first time in like almost a year. So yeah, a really cool backstory on it and yeah, look out for it this spring on CBC sports. What was it called again? That video? It's, it's a rip curl hometown showdown. Oh, okay. Yeah. Then, uh, I'm, I don't know what CDC Sports is going to call it, but nice. uh, but that's the name of the event. Awesome. Awesome. Noah, man, I got to say, dude, I, I always love your Instagram feed. The surfing pictures are awesome, but I got to say, man, you've also caught some pretty awesome fish last year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm honestly not much of a fisherman at all, but I, I got the chance to go out one of the uh, – one of the companies in Fino that I work with, uh, Tofino Resort Marina, they've, they've been a sponsor for the last year. Um, oh, okay. Their their owner is ex-Canuck, uh, Willie Mitchell. Oh, okay. He, uh, 
super into tuna fishing, especially. So he got me out there a few days and tuna fishing is like a whole new ball game too. I, I've obviously gotten to fish for, for salmon a lot growing up, but to get out on a tuna boat and be, you know, 30, 40, 50 miles offshore and like see nothing and be in like crystal clear blue water and wow. pulling in uh, Albuquerque tuna is pretty epic. Yeah. Have you done some fishing with your buddy, uh, Logan Landry? I've never actually fished with him. They were no. out here. Um, he did a, a trip where I think they did some surf and some fish stuff, but I wasn't part of it. I, okay. I got to surf them once on the boat, but, um, and then, yeah, I, I don't think I've even been out to the East coast in the last couple of years. So yeah. like, he's super into fly fishing. Yeah, fly. That's he's, like, yeah he's a fly fisherman. Yeah. Yeah. We, we stick to surfing together usually, but he's a buddy of mine. Right. Yeah. Logan, Logan's a legend, man. I love that kid. Yeah. So, um, yeah. He's really fun to talk with as well. Yeah, shout out to yeah all the surfers across Canada. I think we owe the East Coast <laughs> one after. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, no, I love. I can't wait to come out there. Like, it, if we were allowed, if there wasn't an Atlantic bubble, I would have come this year. You know, it would have been the perfect time to do it. But um, yeah, we're just gonna have to wait till. Well, I mean, this year, twenty twenty. So hopefully, in twenty one, finally get to make it out to Nova Scotia. I hope. <laughs> nice. Okay, we're healing the divide. West Coast loves East Coast. <laughs> You heard it here first. Thanks so much. Well, until next time, guys, I can't wait to see you out there holding the torch and for everything to come. I say mahalo for coming on the show and stay stoked. Yeah, thank you. Hi, this is Dom Domic. You're listening to Perma Stoked. You. Hey, this is Noah Cohen, and you're listening to Perma Stoked. That's all for season two, episode number one of Perma Stoked. I hope you all enjoyed listening or watching that show. Again, I want to say mahalo to Dom Domic and Noah Cohen for joining me on the show for the premiere episode of season two. I hope you loved it. Make sure you check out csasurfcanada.org for all your news on Team Canada, Surf Canada, and Road to the Olympics. But also, you can find CSA Surf Canada on Instagram at CSA Surf Canada. And of course, don't forget to follow Dom at Dom Domic, and again, Noah at Cohen's Corner. give a big mahalo to Mark Malibu and the Wasegas for providing our intro music Hey Chihuahua off their 2019 album Crash Monster Beach and our outro music End of Summer off their 2017 album Return of the Wasegas. For more information visit www.wasegas.com. Mahalo to the Planet Smashers as well and Stomp Records for allowing us to play Surfing in Tofino off their 1999 album Life of the Party. You can visit them at www.stomprecords.com. And to the Scrapes, mahalo for providing Wait and See off your 2018 self-titled album, Scrapes. For more information on Scrapes, visit www.scrapesmusic.bandcamp.com. But of course, mahalo to all you great listeners out there. We are so thankful that you chose to join us for this episode. 
And we look forward to providing you with even more awesome content in the future. More episodes are certainly on their way. But in the meantime, make sure to go back and listen to our previous episodes. And don't miss an episode ever again by subscribing on the Alexa app, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Podbean, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, or wherever it is, man, that you get your podcast, we are there. So please let us know how we're doing. Leave us a rating and a review. And don't forget to share this with your friends and family over social media or by spreading the word in the lineup. You can learn more about Freshwater Surf Goods and check out our products and services at www.freshwatersurfgoods.com. You can even sign up for our newsletter so you can stay up to date on new products, new episodes of Permastoke, events, our surf sup and yoga schedules, and other exciting news. And hey, you can even find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all at Freshwater Surf Goods. But if you're a part of the surf or sup industry, or a surfaholic wanting to connect with your tribe and stay informed as to what's happening all across the Great Lakes and the Canadian surf scene, then join our Facebook group, the All Canadian Surf and Sub Club. And as well, if you've got an idea for a collaboration, you'd like to recommend a future guest, you'd like to invite me to an event or book me to teach surf, sup, or yoga, or maybe you want to carry our products in your store, or your company is interested in being a sponsor of this show, or for anything else, hit me up on social media or email me at Derek at freshwatersurfgoods.com. That's Derek, D-E-R-I-K at freshwatersurfgoods.com. I look forward to next time, Freshies, and getting to know you all better. In the meantime, I'm your host, Derek Hyatt. Mahalo, keep surfing, and stay stoked.